This is the Criterion Creeps Podcast. I'm Jared Duncan. I'm RJ Baylog. And we're just two guys who have no other choice now to creep our way through the Criterion Collection one spine number at a time in order of release. This week, our own contempt may or may not be on full display, but hey, check out those primary colors. As we watch Spine 171 of the Criterion Collection, Jean-Luc Godard's Contempt from 1963. But first, mm. RJ, you mm-hmm. know, somewhere, someplace, we're still recording our trauma episode from the weekend. I imagine, you know, all that string theory with like alternate universes and stuff. I imagine there's a world where we do record the trauma episode forever. Yeah. Forever. It never stops. It is an ongoing punishment. Like, have you ever seen Hellraiser, Jarrett? Yeah. You know, the Lamanche configuration? Yeah. That's pretty much what the trauma episode is. Okay. Um, so maybe you things to show you or, or maybe like, see, we're Creepsville, right? So maybe Creepsville, uh, and the other world's a better place where they don't watch movies like tra- trauma entertainment. Well, maybe in Creepsville, there's no Jarrett and then the world is a better place because there's no, no person forcing this upon other people. Mm, I doubt it. Do you see what I mean, Jarrett? Are you picking up what I'm putting down, Jarrett? I'm no. How are you? I'm fine. Good. <laughs> I have no exciting news or events for you. I think I did actually, but now I forgot. My back hurts. Wow. I'm old. Gotta do, do some stretching. No. Just... How are you, Jarrett? I'm great. <laughs> Tell me more about how you're great. Just living life, you know, selling comics. Mm. People are just coming in left and right. They really want a piece of that Scott Snyder, Gray Capullo, Batman. Mm. They love Is it. Is this the last one, allegedly? Uh, allegedly. Between the two of them? That and Spawn Comics. <laughs> Why are people buying Spawn? Because issue 300 is just around the corner. Is Greg Capullo going to be on that also? Allegedly. Allegedly. With, with Scott Snyder writing. Spawn 300? Yeah, for like a couple pages. Hey, did were you the one who sent me that article about how uh, Todd McFarlane is walking away from the Spawn movie? I, I did send you that. We never talked about hey, that. That's kind he, of fun. He said, hey, pal. Hey, bud. You, you play by my rules, Blumhouse, or I walk. Not Todd McFarlane. They don't need Todd McFarlane. They got Ma coming out this weekend, probably the premier movie of the year. Yeah. And they're going to make all the money. They don't need Spawn mm-hmm. with Cuba Gooding Jr. I think uh, I think Rocket Man might have something to say about that. This weekend? Yep. Fuck. It's going to kill Godzilla. Yep. That sucks. People of Elton John. People do love Elton John. More than you, at least. Yeah. That's funny. Tell me, tell me, what's your favorite Elton John song, Jarrett? Jeez, I don't know. I like that one in all the peanut butter commercials. That's really sad. He's like, it's a little bit funny. About like that girl who dies. Mm-hmm. In the peanut butter commercial. Mm-hmm. What? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Is this about people who are allergic to peanuts? Probably. Maybe they shouldn't be allergic to peanuts. Hmm. That seems insensitive. Well, frankly, I don't give a shit. Hmm. Well, RJ, with yes. that all being said, we got we got emails. Hey, did you know it was Ted Levine's birthday today? I did not know that. Now you do. I also saw that it was Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee's birthday. The yesterday. same day? Yeah. I, I didn't really know that. Also true. 
But they're dead, and we're alive. Debatable. God help us. Uh, hey, tell me about emails, since our lives aren't very interesting. First up, we mm-hmm. have Rupa Granger. Oh, no. What did I do this time? Well, we're going to find out. Mm. Hi, creeps. Oliver's wife here again. Yes, I'm still listening. I'm currently on episode 116, slowly catching up, and I've noticed RG okay. mentions quite a bit about how much he hates women. So I'm curious I, it's, it's to know me, it's what. Jared. So I'm it's curious Jared. to know both of your top five female directors. Uh-oh. Uh oh. Uh, you go first. <laughs> okay. Also, without checking first, oh. have a guess as to when you think the next film on the Criterion Collection will be a female-directed movie. Uh, can I look at titles? Or am I supposed to just say like a number? Guess, I guess guess. I would say 40, 40 creeps from now. Okay. Because, I mean, what are we at? 150 and we've had, what, like three fe- female directors? Or 171. And, well, how many female directors have we had? Like three oh. or four? Uh, and, like, you can't, Agnes Varda? You can't count her like three times. Her, Lynn Ramsey. Lynn Ramsey. And then... Louis Bunuel doesn't count. Louis. Yeah, that's like two. Yeah. Unless we're missing one. Yeah, there's the two. Um, so I would have guessed, like, because I, I know where this is going. The Criterion Collection. It's uh, the state of it early uh-huh. on here. Um, I was figuring, like, you know, it'll probably be like a hundred movies, and I was actually wrong. There's actually a co-directed movie coming mm-hmm. up in about eight weeks. Um. That one, is that 40 Creeps from now? No, uh, Lost Honor of Katharina Blum from night, as a Spine 177, and it's co-directed by Volker Schondorf and Marguerite von Trotta. But after that, mm-hmm. RJ, the, the mm-hmm. next time there's a solo effort by uh, assuming gender based on names. Oh, Jared, don't do that. Uh, and that will be, I believe it was, Fat Girl. Oh, that's a really sad movie, isn't it? Yeah, that is uh, Spine 259. <laughs> Woo! That's a little ways away. It's a little ways away. Do you think uh, Rupa is going to be on that episode with us? I don't know. Will she? As the sole female listener to the podcast? Uh, th- that we know of. That we know of? Yeah. Well, I mean, no. so few people email in these days, Jared. So few. Um, so hey, RJ, uh, yeah. what, what are your uh, top five female directors? Okay, Jared, I had to look it up here. Because believe it or not, I don't know that offhand. Not because I hate women. <laughs> I just want to state that. I want, I, And I also want to say that, you know, I think it's I think it's Jared who says that I hate women a lot. And it's not actually me hating women. It's just that Jared says it a lot. I pointed out. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I think my problem here, not with women in general, is that uh, I would have never known that some of these movies were directed by females until I looked up. I had to just look up a list of mm-hmm. best female directors. And then I was like, that movie was directed by a lady? I had no idea. Okay. So first off, uh, I just, so this is in no order. Uh, Amy Heckerling, mm-hmm. who I talked about a couple weeks ago from the hit movie Loser. Yep. But she also did Clueless and Look Who's Talking. So that's pretty cool. I like those movies. Uh, next up, what about Lily and Lana Wachowski, Jarrett? 
Directors um, of the Matrix. There's some people who have strong politics about that. What do you mean? Those are my picks. I've never seen Speed Racer, but it seems like people <laughs> are really, uh, really into that. Okay. Uh, I'm not going to say Sofia Coppola, Jared, because I only like two yeah. of her movies. I, I, I didn't like Sling Ring or Very okay. Merry Christmas. Here, this is the thing, right? I was, I was debating having her on my, uh, on my on list. On yours? Because it's like, I like that Lost in Translation, but mm-hmm. I've never seen Virgin Suicides, and I haven't really seen any of her other movies. So... That's no, I haven't seen uh, her post. So I was like, I can't really like. That's the thing. Sadly, uh, when you start looking at the the numbers, the data, and like picking out movies, you're yeah. like, hmm, I only liked one movie by them. So it's like, does that mean they're in my top five by default because of the sad state of power dynamics in Hollywood and filmmaking? Are where, you on a where, soapbox where right now? The, where the man is at the top. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, unbelievable. Well, I have heard uh, somewhere with Stephen Dorth. That's right. Frost from Blade. I've heard that movie was really good. Frost in the be- with Blade? F- uh, De- what's his name? Deacon Frost in the first Blade movie? Yeah. Steven Dorff? Yeah. He's in that movie. It's supposed to be good. Okay. Do you see what I mean? <laughs> well, see, anyways, I, I was just saying. That's why I'm not picking. So, so, you're so you're saying a man makes it good. <laughs> I've just heard that he's, I, he is a guy who – can you name a single other movie that Steven Dorff is in other than Blade? Uh, yeah, he's in... Name one. Fear.com. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> uh, okay, whatever. Yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure y- I know one you're going to say, so I'll let you say that one. Um, <laughs> Valerie Ferris has only directed three movies, Little Miss Sunshine, Ruby Sparks, and Battle of the Sexes. I haven't seen Battle of the Sexes, she, but it's on Crave. Wow, and this is enough to get into your top five. I really like uh, Little Miss Sunshine, actually. Hmm. And Ruby Sparks was good. I liked it. And yeah, I'm not going to pick fucking Agnes Varda because I would just be lying because mm-hmm. I didn't like her movies. All right. OK, here we get into the big hitters. All right, Jared. Pe- uh, Penelope Spheris. Yep. That's right. Director of Little Rascals, Wayne's World, Black Sheep, The Beverly Hillbillies. Senseless. No, and I with uh, David Spade. When I when I saw this question, I was like, "What, what what's RJ going to pick?" And I'm like, "Oh, Penelope Spears, because it's going to be all for her worst <laughs> movies too, not even her good ones." What do you mean her worst movies? <laughs> Wayne, those th- three of the ones I mentioned are in her top four most popular movies. Pe- people who know movies will know what I'm talking about. Let's what about just, Thunder and Mud? That looks like a good let's, show. Let's just move along. What's, what, what else? What do we got? We got one more slot well, or something? There's like one more. There's one more, and this is a legitimate one. Director of a movie I just found out you've never seen, A League of Their Own, and Big, yep, and Riding in Cars with Boys, yep. which I actually oh when God. I was like twelve yep. I used to watch that movie a lot, yep. Jumping Jack Flash, mm-hmm. but the real winner, Awakenings, that's right, Penny Marshall, yep. So uh, there you go, you just picked the three women, like three out of the five are like the movies that women have made that are mainstream enough that they. Well, so this is like I was saying. It's depressing. I don't. I ha, I didn't even know those were directed by females because I had no idea they don't give these women any press, Jarrett. Uh, it's so creepy when people say females. Females. <laughs> females. They don't give these women females. Uh, I always think of uh, the Ferengi's first appearance in Star Trek: Next Generation, where they had like the fur like vests and the electric blue whips. Females. Yeah, the female. Well, I like uh, Awakenings is like one of my favorite movies. Hmm. Legitimately, have you ever seen Awakenings, Jared? 
Nope. What's your problem? <laughs> I got a top five for you. All right. With, with no crossover, actually. Uh, I think I can name one. Who? Pick. Uh, what's her name? Mary Heron? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh, there you go. I dig that. I shot Andy Warhol, American mm-hmm. Psycho. And then Notorious Betty Page is nothing special, but she's uh, she directs a whole bunch of episodes of that TV show you're watching right now, RJ, Six Feet Under. Oh, really? Which yeah. episodes? Whole bunch. Good ones? Yeah. She's she's uh, becomes like a pretty, I think a regular, that's actually what she does most of the time, uh, I think now is do TV. I hope not season one, because season one has some very weird film uh, style she, choices. No, I think that's more, I think that's later, but you can okay. confirm. I'll check um, Kelly Reichardt. Director of Ooh, Wendy and Lucy. Um, she went uh, Certain Women and, oh, what was it? Old Joy. And, yeah, her movies are good. Uh, oh, uh, Meek's Cutoff, uh, a very oh, low yeah. key I Western. Know that one. No, she's, yeah, she's probably one of my, one of those directors that when she makes something, I will check it out. Cool. Uh, for probably the most, like, iconic mainstream female director, uh, Ida Lupino. Who I talked about last year during our noir January, my you January, did? yeah. So Are you she, sure? Yeah, she directed a movie like um, The Hitchhiker, and uh, she's got this one. Oh, what's it called? Dangerous Ground. So yeah, she, she's mm. like, yeah, she was an actress turned director. She wanted to do that, and her stuff's interesting. So I thought I would drop her in there. Uh, Andrea Arnold, director of uh, Future Creep, Fish Tank, and also directed mm-hmm. the A twenty four film American Honey. Okay. Um, and uh, probably actually one of the, the best uh, directors who only made two movies that I know of uh, that are in the Eclipse collection, uh, Russian director Larisha Shepetko. She mm-hmm. this movie called The Ascent, which I like think is absolutely incredible. And again, I should I'll throw her name out there because uh, her two movies, that and I, I want to say it's like it's got a title like the ascent or the ascent's the one it's like wings or something like that uh it's about a uh, a woman pilot uh a what i didn't want to, I didn't want to say female pilot so i want to say females woman woman pilot okay yeah what was the name of the six feet under lady nicole holof senior six feet under mary heron <laughs> oh oh i didn't uh okay i yeah. didn't see her name on the directors list here but this Nicole Lady, she has a good movie with James Gandolfini. Wow. I don't see Mary. Oh, there she is. She only directed one episode. Just apparently. one? Oh, I thought she directed a bunch. Or did, Just did, one, did, it did, says. Did she go on to direct uh, other HBO stuff? Is that what I'm thinking? Uh, let maybe? me see. You know who did direct a lot of uh, Six Feet Under? Kathy Bates. Uh-huh. How come she's not in your favorite director's list? I don't think she's... Has she directed a movie? What's that Oh, well, hey, RJ, you didn't include Angelica Houston. Oh, I actually like Angelica Houston's movies. Yeah. Before Quite a bit. O'Donnell. Oh. Oh. I see what you're doing there. Um, wait, doesn't Angelica Houston have like a couple good movies that she directed? Not Riding the Bus with My Sister? Uh, I'll look into it. Yeah, you investigate. Hey, you know who neither of us had? Hmm. Catherine Bigelow. I, she's like... <sighs> so I I'm was conflicted with her. About, like, she's like... Yeah. There's a... like. She's made like I mean you're as, as much as you want to poo poo in your dark because I think it's more because it's like overstated the quality of that movie when it's yeah, like it's, it's a good movie and Strange Days is awesome and uh, she's got that uh, pedigree of like Zero Dark Thirty and 
well, see, Hurt Locker it, and stuff, but I don't really like love her movies. They don't like jump out at me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I've never seen, I've never seen Zero Dark Thirty, and I thought the Hurt Locker was fine. Right. And Near Dark, I don't really like that much. But it's but pretty good. I like The Matrix though. <laughs> yep. She did a great job with that movie. Who, Catherine Bigelow? Yeah. I imagine she was probably, like, there for one day. Oh, come on. I'm... Point break, man. You, you were all about surfing last episode. That was last episode, Jared. People change. Yeah. You punk. Well, see, here's my here's my dilemma. You are going out there telling everyone that I hate women, and now people are starting to believe it. Well, maybe you should stop hating women. Don't tell me how to live. Hey, I really, really like. Uh, Let you like women. Just... I like women. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I, I no, I'm being okay. All serious. Awakenings is the shit, and I I'm actually a little um, surprised that you've never seen that. That movie's awesome, man. I remember being on TV, and uh, oh, it was on TV all the fucking yeah, time. Yeah, and it's just something I didn't really want to watch. You you don't care about Oliver Sacks, man. No. He came to uh, Creepsville once. Did you know that? I know. I remember. He was here. He was doing something. And then he left. Well, you don't, you're just not a fan of Penny Marshall. You haven't seen A League of Their Own either. Have you even seen Big? You fucking I maniac. Have. What about Jumpin' Jack Flash with Whoopi? Nope. You haven't seen Jumpin' Jack Flash with Whoopi? Nope. What about Renaissance Man with Danny DeVito? Nope. And Egg Bagley Jr.? Nope. Man, I've seen almost all of this lady's yeah, movies. I, I can, yeah, there you go. Well, I she, yeah, she's number one. Apparently, she's making a Dennis Rodman documentary coming out this year. Mm. Have you seen Riding in Cars with Boys, Jarrett? I have not. I used to rent that one. When did it come out? 2001, well, you, you when I was 11? You didn't have any Nora Ephron movies either. Who's Nora Ephron? Uh, she's, she's directed some stuff, but mostly famed for writing those Tom Hanks movies. The ones, oh, I Sleepless see. You've Seattle. Got Mail. You've Got Mail, that's right. Actually, you know what movie I like a lot? Michael. That's good shit. Oh, oh, and oh, hey, look, here's the 2000 comedy that I, I've seen that Jarrett and his club probably made fun of. You ever seen Lucky Numbers by Nora Ephron? <laughs> oh, I have not. I have. John Travolta gets a fucking Lisa Kudrow. Um, Is Lisa Kudrow? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. like that. Hey, that's on my list rig- of. Uh, that's on the Cinema Score F Club. Oh, really? I believe so. I've seen that movie a few times. I'm, actually, I've never seen that movie. I, so again, I rented it, and then like you know, when you rent something, you really try to get your money worth. So I think I watched it like two or three times in a weekend, because money I was ten. Oh, what a what an idea! Getting your money's worth. I remember uh, that concept is pretty true of when you're a kid, and, oh, you, yeah. and you get to rent like a couple movies, and you watch like the you watch the fuck out of that thing. I remember watching the fuck out of Mac and Me. Oh, uh, good. Yeah, Paul Rudd's favorite movie. Yeah, and it applies to video games too, like. You, you would try to play him no matter what. The only game I ever took back was uh, Superman N64 because it was way too hard. I had to... No, uh, it, it was too bad. It was too bad. Well, yeah. I couldn't do it, and I tried for like four four hours or so, and I had to admit defeat <clears throat> to my mom, and I was like, Mom, can you please take me back to, uh, to Blockbuster? I need to exchange this. And I felt really bad. But back to lucky numbers, Jarrett. So John Travolta and Lisa Kudrow rig the lottery, and then they buy all sorts of fabulous things. Like I think John Travolta buys um, a snow, snowdew. Mm. What are those called? You know where it's like a ski do, but on the snow. 
Snowmobile? Sure. What are those called? I don't know. Bill Pullman's in that movie, though. I know he's your buddy. Yeah. You, <laughs> Bill hey, Bill Pullman's been a Bill Pullman has been in a ton of movies directed by females. Wow. He was in uh, Nora Ephron movies. He was in uh, A League of Their Own. He was in a Valerie Ferris movie. Hmm. Bill Pullman is uh, keeping it real, Jarrett. A real ally. Hey, you can keep Bill Paxton. I'll take Bill Pullman. Hey, Bill Paxton was in Near Dark. Yeah, that's why that movie's bad, because he's a bad oh. person. <laughs> You're a maniac. Thank mm. you for the email, Rupa. Look at the look at the great conversation you stimulated. Well, I mean, yeah. Oh, RJ, it's what? couples night. What? It's couples night. Next email, Uh-oh. Oliver Granger. Oh, wait, before you say oh. that, I would just like to say thank you, Rupa. I don't hate women. That's uh, yet to be proven. Oh, okay. Anyways. Oliver Granger, email mm-hmm. titled, Trauma Trauma. Mm. He thinks he's got trauma trauma? How the fuck do you think I feel? Hi, creeps. I can't believe you fucking did it, although I knew it was coming <laughs> when I saw your activity on Letterboxd. I met Lloyd Kaufman. He was in New Zealand at our shitty version of Comic-Con. I doubt he would have made his money back on his flights. He seemed like a really nice guy. Oh, uh, nice. Yeah, actually, the one thing I was going to say is, uh, yeah, because like he goes there... He's trying to sell Region 1 DVDs. I don't know what oh, no. whatever Region 3 or 4 it is down yonder. In New Zealand? Yeah. I'm pretty sure they're Region Q. Oh, there you go. Yeah. I'll, I'll, uh, RJ knows these things. Trust, hey, I know a guy from New Zealand. Trust me. Someone asked him what was his inspiration for Toxic Avenger. He explained he was on holiday or something and saw all this pollution. A similar story to Miyazaki's inspiration for, for Spirited Away. I bought mm-hmm. a DVD of Toxic Avenger for Rupa. I told him I was getting it for my girlfriend, and she hadn't watched it before. He was like, what's wrong with you? She will dump you. It's pretty pretty straight advice. Like, see, that's what I was saying in the Trome episode. He seemed honest. Yeah. He's like, don't show your girlfriend fucking Toxic Avenger. I, I hope you know, Jared, I didn't watch a single Troma movie with Andrea. That's too bad. Well, I tried to get her to watch. Well, the problem was I tried to get her to watch Butt Crack. And mm. I mean, that's lives in infinite infamy now. But I've noticed other people have been logging butt crack and I'm pretty happy. Yeah, you you Please don't them. write in your hate mail once you've watched butt crack <laughs> and uh, you don't want to listen to the podcast anymore. OK, listening to the episode now. So I'm not sure if it's covered. My favorite trauma film is Killer Condom, although I believe Ooh. they licensed this one, not produced it. Uh, it was a nice change to see a foreign film in America where everyone speaks German instead of all those damn World War II films where all the Germans speak English. I think Schindler's List doesn't get enough flack for the terrible German accents. Is that why people don't like Schindler's List? I don't know. Is, is there? Hmm. A, I don't. I don't know if that's uh, on the top of the lists. Um, I don't know. I just. I know. I just keep going. <laughs> P.S. It's been a while since I've watched Killer Condom, but if I remember correctly, the main character is in love with a transsexual or vestite, and they treat it refreshingly normal, not as some joke. I watched this movie years ago before I and the media were aware of trans issues, so I could be wrong. Um, yeah, they, his. Um, so yeah, his one of his like side romantic partners mm-hmm. bring people back. Killer Condom, trauma mm-hmm. distributed film. It's uh, pretty good. 
like way better made than most trauma films. Allegedly. Allegedly. Um, and like it's like this Bob Hoskins looking man. And um, he's his ex is a former cop who is mm-hmm. also now like a, it's kind of like drag queen who does like the lip syncing stuff. But okay. it's, it's like, it's kind of like left to that. And I mean, there's like jokes at the expense of how ridiculous uh, the character looks and carries mm-hmm. on and complains and blames everything on their life on how the Bob Hoskins man reminds uh, them of their mother. But yeah, it's kind of just handled like, oh, there it is. It's not in some 90s offensive way. <laughs> but. Hey, if if Oliver liked the refreshing and progressive handling of tran- uh, trans uh, people in Killer Condom, he should check out Terror Firmer. <laughs> and see what he thinks of that progressive little number. <laughs> that that's all I'm gonna say. I just <laughs> yeah. if you, if you like killer condom and it's progressive ideas, you should definitely check out Terror Firmer. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, was uh, was that it? Yep, yeah, that's it. Oh, oh, thanks, Oliver. Oh, Oliver might still be listening to that episode. I I wouldn't be surprised if anyone. <laughs> was listening to or i would be surprised if anyone was listening to that episode at all yeah well let's jump right to uh one another email that addresses that oh trauma yeah sam sanchez oh god what it would uh his email Uh oh title touch touch who touch Writing in late this week, possibly too late, after just finishing <gasps> devouring that trauma bonus episode mm-hmm. that is fortunately mm-hmm. substantially shorter at 1.5 speed, made me realize Ooh. that I have purposely avoided a lot of trauma movies, basically since I've been into the uh, film. Always been aware of them, curious, and have actually gone as far as reading that Lloyd Coppin book, but I always feel like I like the idea of a trauma movie more than the movies themselves. Yes. That, that is uh, I, but accurate. As discussed on the big episode, uh, Toxic Avenger and Class of Newcomb High, I think, are probably as deep as you really need to go, and uh, maybe watch some of those making-ofs, but... Those, and then uh, just for the sheer fun of it, I would watch some of the ones I recommended. Like uh, Axiom Maximus. Maximus, that one for sure. Like so, <laughs> butt crack, butt crack's not good. I just like it because I think it's funny. But uh, yeah, Axiom or Actium Maximus, however you want to say it, that movie is worth watching by anyone. Yeah, might for actually sure. start to dive in now after listening to you guys drone on forever. About I wouldn't them. recommend it. Yeah. I wouldn't recommend well, it. There's a cheat sheet now. There's a guide. I mean. It doesn't take it won't take long because you don't have to watch all the really really bad ones. I mean, he could he could there. I have the list showing every movie that's in the episode we talked about, but my ranked list is the definitive version. Mm. So anything in the top ten is fine to watch, and then well, top fifteen. Just uh, don't listen to any Jared's recommendations. <laughs> I also love RJ confidently describing a pickle when explaining what a squeeze play is in baseball but the but kind of corrects himself by smoothly explaining the correct definition as an alternative explanation well mm. done okay so i i actually i i noticed sam sanchez's avatar is a uh, baseballsman yes and uh, i did i realized my error while talking and that's why i corrected it so smoothly a second later so uh, I knew you wouldn't catch on because you don't sports. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. But I was talking and then I was like, uh-oh, that's not what uh, 
that's not what that is. And then I just corrected it. Yeah. I was wondering if any uh, any uh, big big leaguers out there mm-hmm. were going to be like, hey, wait a minute, you asshole. But then give me the five minutes and be like, oh, okay. He figured it out. About last week's episode. Oh. I consider myself a fan of The Touch. I put Lubitsch right up there with oh. Preston Sturgis. Admittedly, though, Trouble in Paradise isn't my favorite, but I do like it. It's probably somewhere mm. in the middle of the pack of the 10 or so Lubitsch films I've seen. Favorites would likely be Future Creep, To Be or Not To Be, and also The Shop mm-hmm. Around the Corner, starring RJ favorite Jimmy Stewart, which was later oh, remade God. as RJ pick, You've Got Mail. Might be Ooh. worth checking out since I don't believe it is planned as a future creep, at least not yet. Uh, yeah, Shop Around the Corner, I guess, is also a Christmas movie, and it's been on my um, Christmas viewing for a while. But I always like want to save those types of movies up because you only get Four. to watch those types, those classics uh, once. So it's on mm-hmm. there. It's on there. And I I like that Jimmy Stewart. And I know RJ is the biggest Jimmy Stewart fan of them all. But. I would just like him more if he wasn't so blatantly exploited for his disability. <laughs> Finally, what was your damage on the vinegar syndrome sale there, Jarrett? I'm kind of ashamed Ooh. with mine, but let's say it's slightly over two dozen titles. Holy shit. Okay. Uh, used upcoming Father's Day, not the rapey trauma kind, as an excuse mm. to tag on more. Thanks again, guys. Yeah, I'd, I'm half that. I, uh, I'm, I did. You got a solid dozen? Yeah, maybe uh, there's like four in that one package. Seven, eight, nine, Where are you getting all this money? Is that hey? Is that what? Because I've been spending less. Hey, they're fifty percent off for like a whole chunk of these movies. Free shipping now to Canada, and it's great. So yeah, I'd like to know where all the Patreon money is going. Uh, into uh, vinegar syndrome movies. Vinegar syndrome. It's setting up setting up the new podcast. Um, yeah, (laughs) exploration funds. No, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I uh, I took advantage of that vinegar syndrome sale. I did uh, hold myself back. Uh, I'm Mm -hmm. I'm excited to uh, see your movie viewing and uh, star ratings as you get through those two dozen titles. I'm curious if any of them are hardcore films. What do you mean by hardcore, Jared? Hardcore pornography, RJ. One of the usually Vinegar Syndrome does about one out of four of those, and I'm wondering uh, if he t- took any of those in. And there's some trauma distributed films in that Vinegar Syndrome batch as well. Who's gonna host, uh, co-host that podcast with you? Maybe Sam. Maybe. It sure ain't gonna be me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Was that English? What I just said there? Certainly. It sure ain't gonna be me. All right. Oh. Next up. Well, th- thanks for the email, Sam. Yeah, thanks, Sam. Mm-hmm. Jackson. Hey, Creeps. Action Jackson. Not sure if I missed the mark this week or not. I was just wondering about your thoughts on Francis Ford Coppola. He seems to have Uh-oh. started with a brilliant career, but quickly transitioned into less than stellar filmmaking. Furthermore, do you guys have any genres that you have a certain affinity towards? Keep up the good work on the only Criterion-related podcast. Jackson. It's the only one. Yep. It is the only one. Yeah, f- well, big, big Frank Ford. What do you think, Jared, about uh, yeah, I mean, that's, Franny Ford? I think it's uh, pretty clear from his uh, filmography. That's kind of the trajectory he took. I mean, he was knocking it out. The- I mean, he started off with that Rain People movie. Um, mm-hmm. and then, Rumblefish? Uh, that's later. But, oh, I thought uh, you just didn't know what rumblefish was and you're like you know the rain people no this is like this is before he made uh those godfathers when he was making making uh travel logs following hippies around in a van sure 
that type of filmmaking. And then, uh, yeah, he had, you know, those conversations and uh, Godfathers and Apocalypse, mm-hmm. wow. And then mm-hmm. he kind of had this 80s period. Uh, he had Cotton Club, which I've seen once and liked. And then uh, Dracula, people really like that movie seemingly. <laughs> that movie's okay. It's visually uh, a feast for the eyes, but... I don't Keanu think Reeves' accent in that movie is uh, something well, to behold. It's, it's Keanu Reeves. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, it's um, Tetro I've never seen. He's like Latter-day stuff I just don't care about. What about Twixt? Twixt, Jared? yeah. I, I've seen some people really want pretend to be into that movie, I believe. But Is that the movie with the uh, <laughs> sex offender in it? Oh, no, wait, that's Coppola's friend, right? That's his good friend. The Jeepers Creepers director, yeah. right? yeah. Uh, yeah, that's upsetting. Oh, yeah. He's not just a creep. He's a convicted sexual rapist of children. Mm. Good, close, close personal friends. You you gotta get powder made, you know? Mm. No one else could have helmed it. Uh, yeah, I haven't seen any of these, like, more obscure ones, like Rain People or The Rainmaker. Mm -hmm. I don't know what that is, but, uh... That's Tom Clancy, baby. Well, I don't know. Remember, Uh, it's with Robin. Matt Damon? No. The one that looks like Matt, Matt Damon's Damon. in it. Chris. Or am I thinking of another guy? Fuck, what's that guy's name? I think you're out of your who's, fucking Who is Robin dude. in Batman and Robin? Chris. Chris Downs? No. Chris Gaines? No. Was Chris Gaines Chris, Chris the, O'Donnell. Uh, fool. Chris O'Dowd? Wasn't Chris Gaines the uh, alternate. Was um, it just Matt Damon in Rainmaker? Alternate personality of Garth Brooks. Do you remember what I'm talking yes. about? Yeah, oh, yeah, it's just. It's just Matt Damon in Rainmaker. Oh, damn. Was that Chris Gaines or was it something else Gaines? Chris Gaines. Okay. What the... Hey, what's Jackson? Oh, see, this is what I'm He was in the chamber. (laughs) Which chamber? The chamber. The Jeepers Creepers chamber? (laughs) The chamber. Chris Mm. John Grisham's The Chamber. Directed by James Foley, the man who brought us Glengarry Glenn Ross. Ooh, your favorite movie. Uh, I don't know about Coppola. Uh, I think Dracula is okay. The Godfathers are good, very clearly. I actually... Hot take, Jared. I don't think Apocalypse Now is that good. Like, it's good, but I don't think it's the uh, the be-all, end-all of film like no. everyone else seems to think. Yeah, I'm uh, not... I like uh, the conversation more than Apocalypse Now. Yeah, I can, I can see, because, yeah, I, I would say Apocalypse Now is not an RJ yeah. pick. Yeah. Well, yeah, and, like, The Outsiders and Rumblefish, I think, are cool. But, I mean, we're forgetting one of the best films ever made, Jared. Jack. Yeah, I know. And I know you don't like Jack. And hey, Jack has a convicted sex offender in it also. Bill Cosby. Hey. He's so gonna, we're going to die now. in prison. Well, allegedly. Well. They might get him out. <laughs> Wouldn't it be funny if if, it was, if like Bill Cosby escaped? And then he was ghost dad in <laughs> yeah, it? Yeah, it would be funny. It would be funny, all right. That would be cool. You know? Anyways. Would, would, it be, uh, would this jailbreak uh, be filmed by Sidney Poitier? Could it could be? Yeah. Uh, I Man, like this, Jack a this, lot. This episode is just taking twists and turns. Well, I mean, you're the one who brought up women hating and sex offenders. That wasn't me, on either front. Time will tell. Finally, Justin Peterson. And we got a full mailbag yeah, today. I think he's got a bone to pick with one of us. F- female bag today. You know, how I always make that mailbag oh, joke, but boy. we actually. Hey, I I don't <laughs> hate women. Okay. okay well, hey, Jared and RJ. 
Hope Godard has not left you full of contempt this week. Hey, I need that joke. Personally, I found that film purposely pretentious to the point of being comical. So I'm curious to hear yep. all the reasons RJ will likely hate it. Well, Number one. So last week, Jared followed up with his thoughts on my favorite movie of the year so far, Under the Silver Lake. And while he said he liked a few things about it, he seemed mostly unimpressed. But what caught my attention was when he compared it to Richard Kelly's Southland Tales, which was also a comparison made by film critic Mark Kermode. So naturally, I had to check out Southland Tales for myself, and fellas, I think comparing the two is a bit of a stretch. Yes, both of them take place in L.A., were panned at con, and are a bit weird. But Under the Silver Lake was a fun puzzle of a film layered with nostalgic references both new and old, while Southland Tales was a huge incomprehensible mess of a film that was fun, I guess, in a what-the-fuck sort of way. So, Jarrett, could you elaborate on your comparison of these two films? Um, I've never seen Southland Tales. Nor have I. (laughs) Oh. Yeah. Okay, so what's going on? Yeah, so, I mean, the Southland Tales thing, in my mind, initially, I also remembered, uh, so Donnie Darko, was mm-hmm. Richard Kelly's big first movie uh, that put him on the map. And in my mind, I thought that, what's his, is it David Cameron Mitchell? Is that the... David Robert Jones? No. Uh, I don't remember what his name is. Yeah. I'll look it up. It's a bunch of first names. David so, Robert Mitchell, maybe? I don't know. Yeah. So Just go with that. I thought that It Falls was his first movie, but that's not mm-hmm. right. He actually made a movie before that that nobody cares about, no one talks about, because the movie that made the cult movie landmark mark was it follows david robert mitchell there you go okay so anyway uh the thing my memory of these things is richard kelly whenever he seemed to be talking about that donnie darko he seemed Mm -hmm. to not really understand what made donnie darko an interesting movie for people and he started talking about it like in terms of it being a superhero movie in the such and you're like what Mm -hmm. and making these spin-offs and you're like what he's making it bad and like i recall the scene was kind of happening with It Follows, where there was a okay. conversation about like what they thought the movie was going to be, and you're mm-hmm. like, uh, that seems to take away anything that was appealing about it. And following, okay. both followed it up with these like big like L.A. movies, these big statements that I think, I mean, and I'm basing this on reading uh, Justin's review of Southland Tales, which okay. when, when I read it, I'm like, yeah, that movie sounds like it's just a mess. But it was like this like multimedia project that Richard Kelly had. Like there was graphic novel tie-ins to it that were like prequels and sequels. Like, like Dan Close kind of graphic novels? Just like Dan Close. Nice. <laughs> and uh, everything about Southland Tales, which is, again, a movie I've not seen. And I'm like uh, kind of uh, half amused that you took the bullet and watched this movie and just like mm-hmm. reconfirmed that it's just like this big old mess. But when I read like... The, your recap of Southland Tales, and I think about like Under the Silver Lake, they kind of mm-hmm. they, they feel like the same movie. Like where I'm like, I don't know. Like it, they both are like incomprehensible messes, and like I get that there's this aspect of like there's like a puzzle or something like that to be solved. I guess Under the Silver Lake already has, as you could guess, a subreddit because that's of course, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, Southland Tales maybe uh, came in under the radar as far as like being cult ready and Reddit approved. But mm-hmm. I don't think maybe it wasn't. Again, I have never seen beyond a trailer. I don't really know about it. It's it's it sounds even more uh, maybe of a mess. So what you're saying is this whole podcast is a sham. Yeah. Okay. I'm following. So that that's kind of like again, my comment was based on yeah these directors' trajectories and making this mess. And I actually didn't even remember the thing about the panning at con for Southland mm-hmm. Tales. Um. 
but I don't know. I don't know anything about any of this. There you go. That's my so, point of view. I don't know how satisfactory that all is, but I don't know. Reading Southland Tales recap of uh, Justin's on Letterboxd, people can find that. Mm-hmm. People can read through that. It's amusing because <laughs> it's like, yeah, the movie just sounds like complete like randomness, but I don't know. I kind of feel like Under the Silver Lake kind of has that aspect of it too. Okay. Yeah. If you say so. I guess. I don't know. So number two. So after listening to more of your back catalog, I've come to the conclusion that you both like to hate on movies that are popular. No. Can you think of the last one you still enjoy despite it becoming popular? Um, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Yeah, Jared, Jared was the champion of that for a long time, actually. The favorite? I mean, I don't know if that movie is, like, popular, mm-hmm. but it's, uh, I mean... Popular I, to us? Yeah. Um... Like, well, I guess okay, it depends, I like, what does popular mean? Like, it made over $100 million, $200 Because that's, like, when if you go to, like, over to something like the top 100 box office movies letterbox, it's pretty, pretty slim. Mm-hmm. Or, like, I mean, uh, going back, like four years uh mad max fury road yeah mad max is pretty good i'm just looking yeah hers really good too i'm looking at this year's movies that came out and i don't like a single one but actually this friday there's two movies coming out that i think i'm gonna like both of them extremely just ma regardless regardless if they're good or not regardless of if they're good or not ma's getting a four and a half star rating regardless (laughs) that's where it starts it's where it starts. That's the that's the low. The low low. Uh I'm looking at last year's Jarrett. I don't know. The favorite is good. Spider Verse is good. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe he has a point here, Jarrett. Oh, upgrade. I liked that movie. It's like is that a popular movie? I don't even know. I don't know what a popular movie is anymore. It seems like yeah, I mean, get yeah. out was fine. Um <laughs> Us, what, have, what about not Mandy, good, not, Jared? Good. Wow. See, I don't know. Was that movie popular on Letterboxd? Uh, I liked mid-90s. That was like kind of vaguely popular, See, right? I, Into the Spider-Verse, I think, is the hands-down most popular movie that I think we both uh, really liked. And be, yeah. Yeah. That one, probably. So I'm just going to go with that uh, definition of sure. popular. Yeah. Yeah, that was a movie. Number three. So, RJ, what did you think of Uh-oh. that Pokemon movie? That movie you didn't see. For me, oh. it kind of felt like it was trying to be everything but a Pokemon movie. Mm. Yeah, so I haven't seen it yet. I would like to see it. Uh, but I've I've seen, like, I haven't been looking out reviews for it because I don't care that much, like, to look into it. But I have seen a lot of, like, warm takes on it. And a lot of people are like, oh, this is kind of, like, weird. It's not really Pokemon. I was like, oh, yeah, I guess it shouldn't be too surprising because... I mean, the idea of that Detective Poke- uh, Pikachu thing wasn't really Pokemon to begin with. Because I think I I'm, I'm talked about it when that game came out like a year ago. I was like, yeah, it's kind of weird. It's like the reincarnated version of like the kid's dad in the game, at least. I don't know if that's the movie. But it was kind of like a, a puzzler, like Professor Layton type games. Jared, you know about puzzlers? Jared, yeah. you know about video games? I know about Professor Layton. I've got the first three of those on my DS. Ooh, Jared does know about video games. So yeah, it was kind of like that, but not as Ace Attorney. Not as slick. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like one of those games, but it's not as slick. And like in that 
because I played it for a while and I was like, yeah, this isn't it's not really Pokemon. It just kind of takes place in Pokemon. But we've talked on the podcast before because I was a big Pokemon kid and I would have loved a Pokemon movie. But it, you get into sticky territory when you try to make a Pokemon movie because it is I I did see the preview. There's that cage fighting scene. Yeah. It's like, yeah, that is what that entire world is, mm-hmm. is like like cockfighting basically or like dogfighting. So if you could get Michael Vick to write a screenplay for a, a Pokemon movie, then it would probably be pretty accurate. Well, maybe Francis Ford Coppola can make that happen. It's probably no different than what Twixt is about. Yeah, probably. So uh, number four, finally, what is your favorite movie that left you completely perplexed after watching it the first time? Do you ever uh, read or watch any video analysis on these kinds of films to help solidify your opinion? I think I used to, but yeah, not anymore. Like this was the question we got asked like a week ago about listening to other movie podcasts. Yeah. Since we started one, I, I honestly just completely stopped listening or watching anyone else's just cause I don't want to steal stuff from people. I don't want to Dan Klaus Shia LaBeouf it where he's like, it's just so influential to me. That like it's just in my brain now. Yeah, I think I used to, but any movies like that, I would just say maybe something David Lynch. I know you. I know you seem to understand Lynch pretty good, but there's there's a lot of head scratching moments in David Lynch movies for me where I'm like, I don't know what that means. So, but I'm usually pretty floored by his movies. I'm like, yeah, except for uh, Inland Empire. The last like yeah, perplexed I. I don't know. I'm not usually perplexed by a lot of things story-wise. I don't know. I'm not like to say I'm tooting my own horn here, but I just like, I've never watched anything that like, I was like, Whoa, what was going on? I, like, I'm more like a per- impressed when mm-hmm. something like is ambitious, I guess. Um, Ooh, I don't know. What about Actium Maximus? Did that, <laughs> that one leave well, you perplexed? That's, well, that's more like, I want to know more about the guy who made this thing than uh, by anything. Like when I was watching, I was like, I understood what, what I was watching. I was more like, what's this guy doing now? Um, Good question. Geez. What is that guy doing now? I don't, I just don't know. I had something Nobody there. Nobody knows. And then you uh, maximus me there. <laughs> like, so there's like different, like, talking. so there's a perplexed element where like, when mm-hmm. I watched Hereditary, I wasn't mm-hmm. perplexed by it, but I was more like, I have no idea how I feel about this movie. But I, I have no impulse to like watch anybody's like, what's the meaning behind Hereditary on YouTube? Like I have yeah. no interest. But I know that there's hundreds of thousands of people who like are starred for that type of thing because they need that. Um, mm-hmm. I'll read like when I was finished uh, watching Game of Thrones, I was like on like websites trying to read like people's feedback because I was curious. Nerd. Well, I was just curious like what people were hating on so much about certain things, and I've since like talked to a number of people in life that uh like we're like really disappointed and they have nothing but negativity toward the last season or two and Mm -hmm. i was like i don't know i i never cared that much i guess and like i would consider myself a pretty big fan of that world and setting i like i like the books i like the tv show but uh i was kind of like beyond the being mad about this one thing but then other things Mm -hmm. would make me mad so it's not like i'm a a mature person all the time (laughs) what other what makes you mad Jared? women that Aladdin like made $118 million opening weekend when everyone saw that trailer and we're all shitting on it, but they still went. I think what Jared meant or, or to sorry, say was that the, the disconnect, I guess maybe it's not even that it's my frustration with like the weird disconnect that exists seemingly still between internet 
like mm-hmm. chatter and mm-hmm. the reality of like what people will go see. And it's like, it doesn't make sense. It, it, there's mm-hmm. a complete disconnect between those two things. I think what Jarrett means is that he hates women and he gets <laughs> mad when he sees them in public doing things that he doesn't think they should be doing. Like one time I was with Jarrett and he was like, we saw a lady in a car driving beside us and he's like, who gave her a license? And I was like, Jarrett, that's not a very nice thing to say. Oh. So. What is this, MSNBC now? Whatever. You're the one You're the one writing the news, man. Not me. Yeah. Was there a question for me or did I answer I don't know. Any, any, you've been perplexed by David Lynch. I would. Just David Lynch, I'd say. Yeah. Um, maybe like uh, the first time I watched that Donnie Darko. Oh, really? Maybe. What do you square? Yeah. Basic B. I don't know. That 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 yeah. that's also uh, almost twenty years ago. I'm, I'm sure that I don't know. I don't, I don't have a good answer for that one. Tell anyway, me how you feel, man. Thanks, creeps. And I hope you're staying cool as summer begins to roll in. The temps here in sunny South Carolina have crept up to 100 degrees. Keep on creeping. Like it's not 100 degrees here, Jared. I'll tell you that much. No. We still got snow. No. No, we don't. But. <laughs> We did. We got we got fires. <laughs> oh, is it our? Yeah, it's either it's either eternal winter or forest fires here. That is, those are the only two options. Yippee! Woo! Hey, RJ. Yes. What you been creeping on? Oh, we still do that, hey. I mm. forgot we did that part. Yeah, some of us still watch movies. Hey, okay. I've been carrying this podcast for years now on all of the the wealth of movies that I watch, all of the important films like butt crack. So if I have a week that's a little slower than normal, I think that's well within my right. Jared. Jared, you ever heard of Joe Paterno? Joe yep. Pa? Yeah. Yeah? How? You're not a sports guy. I know his name was in headlines. Uh, For which reason, though? Was he disgraced? Well, it's an interesting story because it's there's a lot of question about whether he is at fault in any way. Well, I think a lot of people can agree that it's like he didn't really do what he was supposed, what he should have. Anyway, I'll tell you about it right now, Jared. Okay. So there's this HBO documentary called Paterno by Barry. is, Is this a documentary? It is, uh, no, it's a biopic biopic. Nice. That's what they're called. It's a yeah. biopic words, words, <laughs> meanings, whatever, uh, directed by, uh, your favorite guy, Barry Levinson, who brought us Rain Man and the natural and mm. toys nice. and envy with, uh, Jack Black mm. and another biopic made for HBO also starring Al Pacino. On Jack Kevorkian. Yeah. That's weird. I should have watched that too. Oh, well. Who gives a shit? So Joe Pa, Jarrett, uh, he was the coach at Penn State in uh, NCAA football, baby. Uh, here's where I describe a squeeze play, and then Sam Sanchez will write in next week and be like, that's not what Joe Pa did. Um, he was the most winningest coach uh, in history. And I was trying to convince Andrea to watch this, and I said the most winningest coach. And she's like, that's not a word. I was like, it is. She's like, that's not, shouldn't be a word. I was like, you're probably right, but it is. So he was the co- head coach for Penn State football, Jarrett, for like over 30-some years. 
and he had the most wins of any coach in college uh, football history. So he was 84, and he just passed the record. He became the most winningest coach in history. Uh, and it was it was a tight game, and it, it was like early in the season. So they're like, "Oh man, well he's they're gonna get some more wins this season." Joe Pa will be back next season. He'll just keep racking up that uh, record and it'll never be beaten. Kind of like the Avengers Endgame box office. It'll never, it's a record that will never be touched. Um, so what happened was he got the record and he was uh, celebrated. And even at Penn State, he was like kind of a hero there. They, they put up a statue for him and uh, he was like an inspirational role model for everyone on campus. So Joe Pa was a pretty big deal. So what happened was once he got that record, it came out that a former assistant coach, uh, Jerry Sandusky, uh, it, it got blown open that he had been raping kids for years. Uh, and it just came out and there was a bunch of like a bunch of the victims had testified and they're like, oh, yeah, this happened. Apparently there was like rumors about it before but nothing like solid and then it was like at the time that joe pa got the record that uh it, like it actually came out so what the story with joe paternal Jarrett was that there were a few instances in that 30-year history because jerry sandesky was only a coach for or he was like an assistant coach for like 10 15 years but he had been retired for a few years while joe paternal was still coaching and it was kind of like Joe Paterno probably knew about this at one time. And there was a public record where a different coach told Joe Paterno that he saw something. Joe Paterno told the presidents of the univer uh, of the college, Penn State, and uh, they didn't do anything. Okay. <laughs> this is all okay. These are yeah. all the facts. Yeah, uh, I I'm just, just like it's just incredible to me, like all these about. all these facts that you know. And but I'm always like, but. RJ's an unreliable narrator. I know stuff, Jared. Mm. <laughs> Look up Joe Paterno, man. Okay. It's all okay. there. Okay. I hey, I had a Penn State hoodie when I was in uh, high school. Oh. I played football. Ooh. I didn't have a Jerry Sandusky hoodie. You could have. Yeah, I I know about football, Jared. I know about Joe Joe Paterno. So, anyways, there was that, and then so a lot of people felt like. Uh, so Joe Paterno told the people, but they never actually like uh, it was never public. And it was kind of like, all right, Jerry, they were like, don't do it again. OK, man. And uh, he was kind of quietly retired. Uh, and then and then then this all came out afterwards. So everyone was like, well, if Joe Paterno knew about it once, maybe he knew about it more than once. And yeah, he did tell someone, but shouldn't it shouldn't he have done more? Shouldn't he have like actually said something to like someone else? So that's what is like the tarnish on Joe Paterno's legacy is kind of like, did he do enough? I guess. So what Joe, what Jerry Sandusky was doing was he was bringing kids to Penn State to like their showers and people were like finding him in Penn State college showers, like with kids, which is like pretty when, when you hear that, you're like, what? You're like, and he never got like caught. Apparently, the cops came once, and they were kind of like, "Don't do it again, Jerry." So you keep like winning that, those football games, am I right? Keep keep on just win, baby. That wasn't Joe Paterno, but uh, I, I bet Sam knows who I'm talking about. So, anyways, 
that's what's going on with Joe Paterno. And this uh, biopic is it starts out at the at the game that he got he got the record, and then it's everything that follows because what happened afterwards is he um, there was like a bunch of news coverage, and then he was kind of put in the spotlight and then he got fired from Penn state and there was like full riots at Penn state from, uh, like students yeah. and like, uh, people yeah. who, who live there because they're like, they're like, that's not enough to like kill this man's legacy. They're like, he gave us like over 30 years of winning baby. Mm-hmm. So there was like full riots and that's actually like probably the best part of this biopic is when they kind of show, how uh, people were rioting and like uh, cheering for Joe Paterno after he got fired. So he got fired and then he got like, um, like really soon after, like a month later, he got diagnosed with a, like a, some kind of terminal like brain tumor or something. And then he died. So then Joe, Joe Paterno died like not too long after this. So this biopic is picks up on that game and then it's, it's like, him for the rest of his life this movie is not very good Jarrett, because i think that they the people making this thought that they were aaron sorkin but if you want aaron sorkin you should just get aaron sorkin and if you can't afford him don't don't do aaron sorkin's thing because there was a lot of stuff where it's like i think that they're they think that they're smarter than they actually are so they're like saying dialogue and you're like like that's not really how a people talk and b there's no way that that's how it kind of happened there's like a lot of matter of fact things in here where i think that when they were writing the script they they must have got uh like some kind of actual legal document where it had like a statement on it and they're like mm, that's a good idea let's run with that so like i think one of the victims uh it shows him like really briefly you don't get a lot of that it's just kind of like it shows the kid when the story comes out and like what he was dealing with. Cause he was like really nervous, obviously. And then there's like an interaction with his mom where I think that the legal document was probably like, uh, the mother was not, uh, in during the testimony from the victim because the victim didn't want them to be there. And since the victim's like 18 now it's within his right or something. And I feel like that was the statement, but here's the line of dialogue in the movie, Jarrett. I'm your mom. I know that you don't want me to read this, but I can't be the only person in the United States that doesn't read your testimony. But then in later scenes, they go to extreme lengths to talk about how like he didn't want her there and how she respected him for that because he didn't want her to hear about like all the horrible stuff that happened to to him. And she was like, I understand. And even though he's my son and I wanted to help him, I respected that. But then there's that also there's the, it's like it's such a weird blunt delivery. It's like I'm your mom and I know that you don't want me to read this, but I, I will read it because everyone else in the world is reading it. You're like, that's weird. People don't talk like that. <laughs> you follow what I mean, Jared? I, I hear you. I hear you follow what I mean. And then this thing's kind of like it's kind of. It's not hard to follow, but it's kind of like all over the place. Like it's almost like they didn't know where to give the attention to because it goes between Joe Paterno and then like the journalists that like uncovered the story, but not even really like it doesn't really give any one of them that much time. So it kind of like bounces around and you're like, 
I don't know, you're kind of just like, just stick with like one side of it or just do two sides instead of like four that you're doing. There's like bad and I don't know. They, it's just not very good. Like the reporter, all this stuff with that, it like shows her where it's like, you you brought down Joe Paterno, you're a real piece of shit, which I'm sure probably happened. But the way it like plays out in this thing, you're like, it's like one guy yelling at like five women in like a door uh, in like a house. Was it like, your house? It was. It was not my house, Jarrett. But I, I don't know. Like there, there's just a the way that they kind of show things. You're you're like I don't. Uh, this isn't very good. But uh, Pacino is fine. He just he doesn't really he doesn't really do much. He's kind of just stands there the whole time, like real like huh what a modern day huh? Pacino. Huh? What? Uh, I do have to say though, um, your favorite actor, uh, personal best friend to J.J. Abrams, that's right, Greg Grunberg is in this thing, and he is fatter than ever. Holy fuck! So I think the worst thing about J.J. Abrams coming back to Star Wars is that it seems like Greg Grunberg is in this new one too. Apparently, I don't have like a personal beef with Greg Grunberg. I just think he really sucks. What's your opinion on Greg Grunberg? Uh, who's Greg Grunberg? Uh, who is this guy? He was the guy. He was like the fat guy from Heroes. He was on Heroes, and then he's J.J. Abrams' best friend, so he's in like what? I don't, I don't even know who this is off the end. You don't know that guy? I'm looking him up. I'm looking him up. He he is J.J. Abrams' best friend. J.J. puts him in all his stuff. He was in Star Trek. He was in Force Awakens. He's in the next one. He was in that TV show Heroes. Oh, look at that. Oh, that guy, the, like, security cop. Or like yeah. The, the, yeah, okay. Yes, that guy. That so guy. He is. Yikes. He put on some pounds for this uh, this show. That's Fuck. dedication. He looks like a wrestling podcaster. Oh, he looks like, he kind of looks like you, actually. Actually, he looks like you. <laughs> he's got a, he's got to work on your, uh, Don't. The, that Italian hair, though. People are going to think I look like Greg Grumberg and Will <laughs> you Wheaton. Do, you do. I don't. Literal strangers said that I looked is that like. Why you, is that why you keep your hair so short? Jarrett. Maybe I'm going to keep your hair short. What do you think of that? Anyways, Paterno is not a great show. Hmm. Um, because I feel like they didn't make it good. I think it's an interesting story and one that. You know what? I'd love an actual documentary on the Joe Paterno yeah, stuff. That's usually how it but, goes. Uh, yeah, this biopic is, uh, I mean, it's not even really a biopic. It's just kind of like it shows him when he's like old and like, huh? Why? He's like, because someone like they're reading stuff out to him. They're like, they're like sodomy. And he's like, what does sodomy mean? And they're like, <laughs> oh, good writing. Oh, baby. That might be so, best right from a tr- uh, court transcript. I yeah, I don't know. Like, don't know. it's it's weird, man. Hoo-ah. See, even though I had one film, I can talk about it for like forty minutes. Yeah, that's your gift for the gab. Well, you you uh you you wanted this. Hey RJ. Yes. I watched. I cleansed my palate of trauma movies. Good. And I was like on a real hot streak. Of. Good movies. Oh well, tell me about them then. All right then. First up. Probably the less, the lesser, lesser of the four. The uh-huh. min, the minimum. Psycho Cop Returns. So was there a Psycho Cop one? There was a Psycho Cop that nobody talks about, nobody watches, and uh, uh-huh. I just I've never seen it. 
So I just went right into watching Psycho Cop Returns. This was released by Vinegar Syndrome. And it's one of those movies that I've had on my shelf for a couple years and hadn't watched. And I thought, hell, Adam Rifkin. I like that Giuseppe makes a movie. Uh, Mm -hmm. Why not? Why not check this one out too? So I watched it and uh, I realized I screwed up and I should have watched this one week earlier because this movie is set during a bachelor party. Ooh, yeah, you did screw up. And I did because you, I could have watched it while you were at a bachelor party, your very own. And I was, I, and I'd be here watching a movie about men having a bachelor party. And you could have watched and, Tom Hanks bachelor party. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Fuck. Or bachelor party Vegas. One of the, now get this Jared, one of the worst movies I've ever seen featuring your buddy, Chuck Liddell. You ever seen that one? Uh, oh shit. There was like, never mind. We'll just continue. So Psycho Cop returns. Mm-hmm. Um, so Psycho Cop, from what I gather, is a cop who is also a practicing Satanist who is like a slasher killer. He goes mm-hmm. around and he kills people. He has a very literal interpretation of the law and that, he, that, that he uses uh, to justify murdering people. And mm-hmm. he also likes to turn a phrase and make campy one-liners, which- What kind? Uh, an example would be before stabbing somebody in the eye, I've got something to keep your eye on, and he stabs him in mm. the eye. And he, but when he does it, he also laughs at his own cleverness, which is really funny, because at least the movie, good. the movie knows that uh, it's trash, and mm-hmm. it, it has the guy just laughing at his own horrible jokes, and the guy pulls it off. He, he was also a psycho cop, so here he is again. Uh, this mm. is a movie about. This douchebag and his friend who are pulling off a bachelor party for a coworker mm-hmm. in their office building they work in. We're introduced to uh, this one couple that like have like sex in an office for they what they have sex with one another for like twelve hours. It's very confusing because it's so short. Yeah, it's <laughs> I know it's not Baylog lengths, but uh, yeah, well, it, it's it's just this like ongoing thing, and then there's like the hot blonde who works, who stays late and doesn't want any part of it. And so she, she hangs out and does all her accounting downstairs. Mm-hmm. And then they bring their, the strippers to the party who like, I don't know, RJ, I don't know very many strippers who like perform like this. And then like cozy. On what up were they on doing? Well, I've seen a few. Well, they do, a, they do their, their performance like back to back. And, but then yeah. they also proceeded to start grinding on laps and like rubbing their tits and making out with, the patrons and I'm like, it's pretty I, standard. I think these people, I think these women are prostitutes. Did they get paid? I, I never saw it. I don't think they lived long enough to get paid because they are okay, dispatched well, by psycho cop. If Rupa's listening, just mute it for a second. That is pretty standard stripper behavior. Jared, the making out probably not, but uh, I mean, if you got money, they're usually there for whatever. <laughs> wow. This is where uh, I would like to say that this is a character uh-huh. that I'm playing for the podcast. <laughs> uh huh. Uh huh. Indeed. Well, I'm just t- I'm just telling you, yeah. like, yeah, that's pretty not, much how it is. Yeah, not quite like this, I don't think. So I've heard. Yeah. So this movie is entertaining crap. Okay. We'll just throw that out there. Uh, your life would not be improved necessarily watching it, but if you're in a mood for a movie about a psychotic cop making like arrest jokes before murdering mm-hmm. people and oh the, the best part i can't even believe i was gonna skip over this the climax of the film so this movie came out you know early mid 90s 
it ends yeah. with Psycho Cop. He's chasing uh, the two survivors out of the building into the street, and he starts like strangling uh, the woman like in front of a bar. And these people in the bar notice it, and they all head out with pull cues, and they proceed to beat the cop with pull cues. And there's a man on the top of the roof who starts videotaping it. And RJ, what do you know? It kind of looks like the Rodney King beating footage. Is it actually? No. It's oh. but I'm like wondering, I'm like, are they saying that you can't take this information for granted? Like maybe you don't have the full context. Maybe Rodney King was a psycho cop. Maybe. I don't know. And the cops were like trying to stop him. Is is this like what they're doing? Is oh, this, is I this see. Blue Lives Matter. <laughs> oh, hard to say. But it's not. Um it was just it's a joke that's like, oh, right. Mm. I, I feel like I've seen it a million times. Sure. Anywho, so that was okay. And then I followed this RJ up. Hey, before you what? say anything, I was just going to say what? all that stripper stuff, that's just stuff that I heard. I don't know. I, I wouldn't actually know. Right. I've just heard that stuff from, like, other people. Yeah. The Street what Fighter. What else did you watch? Oh, The Street Fighter. Okay. Starring Sonny Chiba, not Chun-Li and Ryu. Well, that doesn't sound as good then. Is, is a, M. Bison in it at least? Nope. No what M. about Bison Raul Uyla? No, no, no Blanca. No uh, Jean-Claude. Is, what a shit movie. Yeah, this movie, The Street Fighter. Uh, it's from 74. Uh, screen, uh, Shout Factory put this out. There's a trilogy um, of movies of Sony Chiba just beating the shit out of people. Nice. Outstanding. So yeah, this first one. Um, yeah, he's an asshole. Like, it's kind of like he's a he's an assassin for hire. And he will, yeah. he'll do whatever's necessary. Like, oh, you know, get the mafia will hire him to like kill somebody. He's like, yeah, okay, I'll do that. He's a dickhead. He he's not very likable, but because mm-hmm. of that, he's likable. And you want to watch him do these things, these horrible things to people. What do they do, Jarrett? Well, what does he do? He there's like so the only black man in this movie in Japan, he's an unrepentant rapist. He was always trying to rape women in this. What winds up happening to him is his dick gets torn off. Isn't that? Did they steal the rights to your life? I, I don't know. I've got my legal department looking at it. <laughs> uh, he tears. Got him again. Yeah, Street Fighter tears out throats. He cool. kind of jumps up, hits people in the head, and just splits their heads open. Also um, cool. It's just all action set pieces. Just how much bodily harm can be done to a person by one man? Uh, Street Fighter is a celebration of that type of action. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a there's a one death in particular that I rewound a few times because I kept laughing and laughing. Where it's like there he's on a ship tanker and there's kind of like in the holding area. He's on the second level of it, and one of the mm-hmm. one of the goons sneaks up on him. He picks him up and hurls him to the ground. And then we watch the camera follow this like man like on strings kind of fall toward the ground. So it's like, it's like cutting between a dummy and a falling man. And then the man's head goes f- like right straight into the ground. And then blood just goes shooting straight forward. It's, nice. it's so goddamn funny. I don't know. Funny? Yeah. Oh, it's hilarious. The I, animal? I am i don't know. It's the little things in life I appreciate. Mm. Uh, okay. So that was good. And then I, kept, I was like, you know what? I've got these Vinegar Syndrome movies that I haven't watched yet. And I've got 12 coming. I better get to it. Mm-hmm. So I watched Sudden Fury, which is a Canadian tax shelter movie, which mm-hmm. I, I've probably talked about at some point on this podcast. Um, yeah, you have. Yeah. So anyway, what? so this I uh, heard described as sort of like a Canadian Hitchcock movie, and it kind of is. Um, hmm. 
It's about a guy. His name's Fred. Him and his wife, they're on a country road driving out to the middle of nowhere. And Fred's got this plan. Him and his wife, he, he wants them to open up like a a little resort, like a tiny little like cabin getaway place for people. And they can mm-hmm. like, settle down, make some money. It'll be great. Uh, the problem is, is Fred's a talker and his wife is rich money. And she's got, she ha- holds the purse, the purse. And she's like, she holds the what Jared? The purse the, with, okay. all, with all the dough and uh, is not sharing with Fred. Cause she doesn't mm-hmm. trust Fred's ability to accomplish these things. Fred has an issue with fury, sudden fury. And he's getting he's getting real prickly about the way he's being treated. He's being feeling real emasculated, and um, so they they return to their car and they continue going down the road. Um, mm-hmm. Things start getting physical for a moment. They pull over. Uh, she gets out of the car. He gets out of the car, kind of causing a uh, a vehicle falling behind them to swerve over. This introduces our protagonist, who just kind of stumbles across the scene. Um, mm-hmm. and things kind of like, okay, that's, it's all set up at this point. <clears throat> they go to a gas station. There's some more exchanges. And then sometime after the gas station, a uh, husband and wife, they go off a bridge because of an oh, good. It's, it's all accidental. And, uh, it leaves, uh, the husband with a situation where he's like, huh, my rich wife, she might die if I don't help her. But if she dies, I get all the money. And so he makes a very cold, calculated decision to leave her behind. But of course, that that mm-hmm. nice that nice man from uh, before he drives upon the scene and gets out to help. And this kind of sets up the uh, uh, the drama, the thrills of this guy trying to help this dude's wife. And uh, yeah, it's awesome. I, hey, Jared, I, this sounds kind of Hitchcockian. A little bit. It's about the. It's like some. It's got some wrong man elements and this like absolute horrible man trying to get away with things it's really good i'm a sucker for these sudden fury okay yeah so this is a movie that i had heard about from uh there's a website called can exploitation uh done by Mm -hmm. like one of the guys on there's paul karoop and this is one of those movies that's like in that top 10 like great tax shelter canadian films sudden fury it was completely unavailable for years like i couldn't find any copy of this anywhere in some of like the more like secreted places online, nothing. Mm-hmm. And then I was so happy to see when Vinegar Syndrome announced that they were putting this out. I immediately bought it and immediately put it to the side and didn't watch it until Friday night. And I did. And Sun hmm. Fury is awesome. Like I, I enjoy this so much. I, I'm a sucker for rural Ontario movies, I guess. Uh, it has like, like the brain. Yeah. Like the brain or, oh. uh, rituals <laughs> like there's Ooh. this like it's got these like i don't know it, it, it the canadian shield stuff it's all so removed from our neck of the woods but it's like mm-hmm. everyone has that nice a accent very canadian oh, yeah uh very easterner um lots of that going on because it was oh, uh, don't you know oh heck <laughs> oh heck don't you know actually it's a lot of oh christ Jesus Christ. Ah, uh, Christ. Yeah, I've heard a lot of Christs in my day. That's yeah, more Midwest, but uh, yeah, there's the Easterner voice that pops up a lot in this. So yeah, Sudden Fury mm-hmm. was a very pleasant surprise. Very pleasant. Very. And then I topped that off with a movie called Shot, uh, also okay. released by Vinegar Syndrome. This is a movie, 74... Um, I can't remember the name of the director. It doesn't matter a great deal. This is a student, no. this is a student film. Okay. Um, one and done is like made for, I don't know, $15,000. And it's just a bunch of guys going to like the University of Illinois that want to make a movie. 
and they have access mm-hmm. to a helicopter and uh, a little uh, biplane and a lot of wigs and like what else value village style coats uh, they they rent, rent rented some guns and they kind of make their own like little like dirty harry style crime epic in illinois in like during hmm. November, so there's lots of snow drifts, snow piles. Uh, sometimes it starts snowing. Again, this movie felt like home, being shot in sort of like the the Rust Belty uh, Midwest. Uh, and yeah, just I don't know for a movie that was made for fifteen thousand bucks by a couple of students, super entertaining, um, pretty hmm. decent action, grimy, uh, filthy, not gummo filthy or anything like that. What about trauma filthy? No, no, no. Very different. Like I said, these these were all uh, palate cleansers. Oh, there, okay. There's n- none of these films. Maybe Psycho Cops, the one that resembles most the trauma movie, and even it doesn't. But uh, mm. yeah, pa- Paterno was pretty trauma esque. Oh. <laughs> well, I mean, you know. Yeah. You know. Yeah, so this this movie. Well, uh, it sounds cool, dude. Yeah, so this movie. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty pretty good. Uh, another yep. another good pick for uh, these kind of action movies that uh, Vinegar Syndrome has been doing on the unofficial Vinegar Syndrome podcast here. Hmm. And uh, I will throw out that I started a new tag on my letterbox recording first features, which has been interesting. It kind of goes back to that conversation hmm. that we had with Oliver uh, about first time directors when we talked about uh, sorry mm-hmm. to bother you and talking about like I was like wondering like what are what do first features look like I mean there's like the big ones like a P.T. Anderson and Quentin Tarantino mm-hmm. but it's like what about everybody else and then I started going through some stuff and I'm like oh this was someone's first film like sometimes it's like a Friday the 13th part four or something like that mm-hmm. and stuff like that and like you, don't, you never know where, where they're going to pop up like our boy Chuck Russell uh, director of the Blob, getting a start in Nightmare Ooh. on Elm Street, stuff like that. So yeah, that's been a waste of hours of my life. Well, good. Yeah, good. Well, I, I'm not gonna like that list. Good. How do you like it's, that? It's not a list. It's a tag, so you can't even like uh, it. Whatever. You turkey. Whatever, man. Hey, Archie, got any news? Hell no. Fuck yeah. Um. <laughs> well, after the break. Yeah. We're going to learn what Bridget Bardot's butt looks like. As if we didn't know already. Je vous invite à l'indécence De ce tango presque argentin Où je ferai la connaissance De votre corps contre le mien Où vous ferez la découverte De cet exotique entretien Lorsque la musique est offerte Il faut la suivre, sachez-le bien Entrez dans mon tango Et je vous danserai Les yeux à demi-clos Perdus au milieu des reflets De la musique qui nous emmène Quand les violons racontent leur peine doigts emmêlés l'un à l'autre comme les pétales d'une fleur vous prouveront que je suis vôtre et que vous m'êtes proche de cœur je vous dirai en espagnol les mots d'amour que je connais et nous verrons bien qui s'affole le premier des deux sous l'effet entrez dans mon tango et je vous danserai les yeux à demi clos perdus au milieu des reflets de la musique qui nous emmène Quand les violons racontent leur peine Je te tutoie, nous avons l'âge de mes vertus Sur 
Sed. Écran. La femme. L'homme. L'Italie. Le cinéma. Avec, Avec Brigitte, Brigitte Bardot, Bardot et Michel Piccoli. L'Alfa Romeo. Le musical. La statue grecque. Le revolver. Le, Le nouveau film traditionnel de Jean-Luc Godard. La gifle. La chambre à coucher. Le baiser. La salle de bain. Avec, Avec Jacques Palance, Georgia Moll et Fritz Lang. Le fou. La starlette. Le vieil homme. La mère. D'après le, le célèbre roman d'Alberto Moravia. La tendresse. La vengeance. Les caresses. La souffrance. Photographier dans toute la magie du Franscope et du Technicolor. L'escalier. La promenade. Le livre. Le bateau. Une tragique histoire d'amour dans un décor merveilleux. Les disputes. Le soleil. La trahison. La mort. Une, Une merveilleuse histoire d'amour dans un décor tragique. L'amour. L'obscurité. Les malentendus. La beauté fatale. Fatale. This is the Criterion Creeps podcast, and tonight we're talking about Content from 1963, directed by Jean-Luc Godard. The tagline for this film, more bold, more brazen, and much, much more Bardot. That's weird. I don't like when movie taglines, like, single out actors in I the know. movies. Oh, it's like the one with uh, Horse's Mouth. Uh, yeah. Uh, Guinness. Like the Alec, weird Alec Guinness. And yeah, anyways, keep going. I just, that's weird. Um, I don't like that. And the synopsis here from the letterbox. Uh-huh. A Philistine in the art film business, Jeremy Prokosh, is a producer unhappy with the work of his director. Prokosh has hired Fritz Lang as himself to direct an adaptation of The Odyssey. But when it seems that the legendary filmmaker is making a picture destined to bomb at the box office, he brings in a screenwriter to energize the script. The professional intersects with the personal when a rift develops between the writer and his wife. So, RJ? Yes? This is the third time I've seen this film. Oh, is it like one of your favorite movies? Mm -hmm. I know at some point I had rented this, either from the library or like video store, checked it out to see if it was worth buying. And uh, I think this is an argument for why blind buys are a bad idea if you can't afford it. So wait, you watched, you rented it from the library <clears throat> to see if it was worth buying, and then you did buy it, and you watched mm-hmm. it two more times? Well, RJ, let me tell you. So I never bought the Criterion, which is out of print. Okay. It, it went back into the hands of Studio Canal. 
mm-hmm. uh, or Lionsgate mm-hmm. or whatever. Uh, then it got released by Studio Canal on a Blu-ray, and I picked it up from a superstore bargain bin of all places for five dollars. The so Blu-ray? I, yeah. Shit. Yeah, so I mean, you can't say no. And I was like, well, you know, I watched that movie when I was a young man. Maybe I just don't remember that well. Maybe watching it now, it'll turn it all around. So mm-hmm. it's got a really nice uh, cover. It's, like a, it's got the original painted cover of Bordeaux. So it looks nice. It looks classy. And then okay. uh, I rewatched Contempt uh, after buying that disc a year or two ago when I was kind of on a Godard hot streak rewatching of stuff, just getting more into his movies. And now mm-hmm. I watch it again this week for hopefully the last time. So it is one of your favorite movies. No. Is no, what you're saying. No, no, it's not. Um, so it's confirmed. I am not a fan of contempt. And I okay. will I'll lay out my viewing experience this time out. So I knew going in, I'm like, oh, man, this movie's not a good time. It's really mm-hmm. dull. So it starts up. And uh, it's got that. It's got this really nice opening shot. It's very meta. Um, we have a, a man narrating the credits rather than mm-hmm. text appearing on the screen, and we get to see like the dolly track laid down on the ground with the camera operator filming um, a woman walking down like some European street. And yeah. uh, it's kind of like, oh, this is kind of neat. This is novel. This is a mm-hmm. nice presence. And then RJ. The camera takes a turn, and then it changes changes its gaze onto you, the viewer, and the other camera, and it really makes you think, RJ. It makes you think about film craft. Is it fine artisan film craft, or I, how I, would you? I, dis- some some might say it is. Some might say so. Yeah, I was like, yeah, that's that's like really good. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of jumps into the wonderful world of Curly, aka Jack Palance of uh, City Slickers fame as um, he's an angry Hollywood producer who kind of like talks to himself. He's in a foreign land, doesn't speak the language. He has a translator that follows him around wherever he goes. Oh, I'm jumping around. I'm sorry. We forgot about Bridget Bardot's butt. So don't we, forget that. We Jared. get, so we get the, this footage that looks like terrible. Like it's so grainy and I'm like, ugh. What, why does this look like so cruddy? And there's like a red filter over everything. Mm-hmm. And it's like this, like kind of um, two lovers lying in a bed together, t- you know, speaking sweet nothings and the, the things that couples do, I guess, um, being filmed. And then at some point, the, the lens, like, there's like a filter that changes abruptly for no particular reason. Very good Dardian. Um, mm-hmm. And then it changes to blue. And uh, we, Bridget Bardot's character, she's saying, what do you think of my ankles? What do you think of my <laughs> legs? What do you think of my butt? It's like, I really like your butt. What do you think about my breasts? Oh, I, I really, really like your breasts. What about uh, the distinction between the breasts and the nipples? Or mm. the nipples, actually, yeah. for that fact. It's, it's uh, a, I was really interested what you would have to say about that. It's very Seinfeldian. <laughs> well, <laughs> I feel like it's hard to separate the two, Jared. I don't know about you. Mm. But uh, I don't know. Am I not in the know on this, or can you separate breasts from nipples? Well, it seems like trauma talk to me. But yeah, yeah. but the point is valid still. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so mm-hmm. we get that, and uh, then we're kind of slowly introduced to like what the plot is of this film. We have our writer 
he's there. He's on spec, being called in to work on this screenplay that Fritz Lang uh, mm-hmm. is directing. Jack Palance. He's pissed. He's not oh, like yeah. he's not liking these these longing shots of uh, st- of uh, statues. What about the mermaid shot? Oh, he in a lo- pretty terrific <laughs> oh, scene. Boy, Jack Jack is very pleased. He's like, mm-hmm. ah, I don't think audiences will appreciate it the way that you and I f- appreciated Fritz. <laughs> oh yes, well, this is all well and good for us. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're we're of the mind, the capability of understanding such a great moment of art here. It's, it's, that was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he gets pissed off again, hurling uh, a frisbee, <laughs> a disc. I was, what was he? Oh no, a, a film canister. No, it was it was a stack of film canisters. Yeah, Jared. he takes and, uh, one in particular and he flings it. He that's flings like it out. My favorite scene in this movie is because like I actually didn't really see that coming. Where he's like, oh, oh hey Fritz, who? And then that like pimply intern kid walks in with all the film cans and he just like pushes the fuck out of that kid. Mm. He's like, ah, you lied to me. I got Curly's gold. That's right. Mm-hmm. He's he's coming to shoot Shane. Do you want to talk about city slickers at all in this episode? Because <laughs> I don't know if we've ever talked about that on the podcast. Yeah, I don't know. So that that all happens. Um, uh, then, oh, yeah. But we all kind of know where this is going. Like, mm-hmm. I, at least I was like, oh, is uh, Jack Pound's going to meet uh, Ryder's wife and make some moves and get very invested, very interested in her? Yes, he is. Very interested. And uh, so they, they hop in their car. Oh, yeah, sorry, buddy. There's not enough seats for you. You'll have to take a cab. <laughs> I, I liked that. I thought it was a. It's, it's a, an interesting power play, Jared. And his, but the cousin's like trying to like no sell. Like, yeah, it's no big deal. I trust my wife. It's cool. And then mm-hmm. um, he eventually like makes his way back to like his place, even though he doesn't know the directions. Doesn't can't get a cab. There's like an accident mm-hmm. that happens that holds him up. And when he gets there, Bridget Bardot. She's all like put out, <laughs> and you're like, hmm, what's going on? What were you doing when you left me here for like an entire half hour? Yeah. What were you doing in those 30 minutes? I got to say, like, I know that's like the the basis of this entire movie is like that premise. But at the same time, it was like, I was, I was like, what do you mean? Why are they both giving him shit for taking so long? Like he had to walk there. (laughs) Like they drove. Like I, he, I know, like I know, half an hour well, is a long time. I, I, but it's like, I but guess you, he's you not guys like drove there. He he didn't push the issue. He should have been more like, "Hey, no, you're not doing that with my wife." He should have been like, "Hey, you guys fucking drove there, and I had to walk. That's why I'm late." But he said that's fine. He said that was fine. It's like, well, why are you saying that's fine? Mm-hmm. What's this really about? I guess. I mean, I guess, Jared, that's fine. Yeah. Whatever. So. Yeah, Fritz Lang in this, he waxes poetically. He's like, mm-hmm. the, he's the nice old uh, man who's reached a certain level of maturity where he's beyond these like mundane things, mm-hmm. these day to day struggles. He's just trying to make a movie. He's trying to make a movie the he, way he wants. What do you sure think? What do you, what do you think of this uh, Odyssey film that's being made? How do you think uh, it would have worked? The Odyssey? Yeah. The Odysseum? Well, Odysseum. Odysseum. I, I think it is a, a brave strategy to. Uh, distinguish between the statues with either blue eyes or red lips. That's the thing, though. I don't know if you're aware. That's how those statues were originally presented back in olden times. They were painted that way. How the fuck would I know that? I don't have an art history degree. Do you? I do. Well, well, how would I have known? Okay. Hey, fun fact. That's how they actually were supposedly meant to look based on the science. Well, I never knew, Jarrett. There you go. I never knew. Very garish. 
and people talk about it. It's like, yeah, those are really ga- garish. Those those uh those palettes did not age well. Mick Garish, if you know what I mean. Mm. Uh, so, anyway, yeah. So what do you think movie. of Fritz Lane's movie? Okay. Uh, it's like okay. One props to contempt. The mm-hmm. cinemascope stuff is amazing. It looks yes. so goddamn nice. Um, I'm always a big fan of when a character is really in the frame. It's not like half mm-hmm. body shots, close ups. It is just like you see these people walking and like they're to scale on the in, in the entire framing of a composition. It always mm-hmm. looks a be- so beautiful to me. Uh, and so there's a lot of that in this movie when it's in cinemascope mode, when it's like doing the the exteriors where you could actually shoot this stuff well, uh, mm-hmm. and not so much when it's in the apartment in the uh, interiors. We'll get there. Um, okay. So the first like 35 minutes of this movie. I was like, maybe, maybe I finally have grown into contempt. Maybe I've uh, matured. I've, I've, I've hit a point of like understanding <laughs> movies where I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm liking this. Mm-hmm. And then RJ, uh, husband and wife, they return to their apartment. And, and then what do they do? And then they talk. And there's a point where I had checked the runtime at about 34 minutes. Mm-hmm. And then what felt like an hour had passed and I checked and it had been nine minutes. And this had all happened as soon as they got into the apartment and proceeded to have their spat, their domestic... Their what, Jared? Their spat. What's that mean? They had their argument. They, they started... Okay. Their, their back and forth, a row. Um, this movie slows right on down from that point mm-hmm. forward. I've read that some critics talk about how it's groundbreaking and how much they... In what sense? I don't know. Critics say things sometimes. Okay. Oh, here it is. Uh, on from the Wikipedia of Contempt Legacy, the extended apartment sequence that occurs in the film, where Paul and Camille's marriage unfolds, has been praised by critics and scholars. In February 2012, Interiors, an online journal that is concerned with the relationship between architecture and film, released an issue that discussed how space is used in this scene. The issue highlights how Jean-Luc Godard uses this constricted space to explore Paul and Camille's declining relationship. It pretty well says the exact same thing over and over and over again. I just kind of noted. I feel like that con- uh, constricted space thing isn't really necessarily true because there's a lot of room there's in this a, apartment. That's a pretty spacious apartment. So of, I think lot- if, you, if you're saying that this is a tight scene, mm. like, I mean, tight in the sense that they're, like, not agreeing with each other, but uh, there's a lot of room there, Jer. Yeah. So I'm calling bull- Bologna on that bad boy. Bologna? Bologna on that one. So you get yeah. you get these two arguing back and forth. They seem to be smoothing things over. Mm-hmm. And then there's these like things where it's like, oh, why is she wearing this wig? I why t- was she wearing well, the wig, Jared? Well, RJ, I don't know if you recall this uh, information, but uh, Jean-Luc Godard, he had a wife. And? Um, well, his wife, uh, Anna Karina, she had hair like that. Just like that. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes people go, and so at one point when they when, when they were when they, when they were when they were married before this movie was made, his wife and Muse they uh, went their separate ways, mm-hmm. and uh, here we are. Hey, 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 put this wig on. <laughs> hey, end of the movie. Let's kill the bitch. Excuse me. Hey, I didn't make the movie, but was uh, she wearing the wig at no, the end? She wasn't. Oh, okay, but. There's some still. There's I, some, this uh, is some Fellini there, stuff. There's some subtext. 
Mm-hmm. I don't know if Fellini had so much. Uh, Jarrett, this is some Fellini regard. stuff right here. Well, eight and a half. I mean, he seemed to be kind of saying, "Hey, I'm kind of a shit bag," you know. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I like don't know. He... If, I don't know if Godard necessarily uh, was on board with that. Maybe kind. Was... Me kind of was, but the same thing. He's like, "Yeah," but at the end of the day, it's kind of your fault too. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not a. I'll leave that to the Godard experts. Which ones? There's a, there seems to be a lot of them. A lot of people mm-hmm. like this movie. Um, I've talked to my Godard experts, and I think we're on the consensus that uh, this is lesser early Godard. You, you never talked to me about this. Indeed, I'm so, a Godard expert. There's a, there's the moment. There's the the whole thing is about the apartment arguing, and I don't know your uh, mileage may vary on how much you enjoy that. Uh, then we leave the apartment and we get kind of like back to like the beautiful cinematography, the kind of like the external struggles and like actual other things to look at. Oh, one thing I totally skipped over too was a uh, grow, grab an ass fucking uh, that scene with the secretary with the, uh, it seems a little contrived Jarrett. It's like real, like, Whoa, this, this Paul dude's kind of a piece of shit. He really, it was in that moment that I was like, did Jarrett write this movie? Because this is a real Jarrett move that I've seen him pull many times. I do want to throw out here that also on the Wikipedia I just saw, Paul was described as a young French playwright. Young? Dude's like 48. <laughs> He's a, a rough young, that's for sure. Well, he does like smoke cigars in the tub. Maybe he's all wrinkled from uh, nicotine. So he would have been like... Uh, 25. He was at least, he was 40 for sure. No, he wasn't. Was, he? No, 38. That's, that's like, pretty, that's 1963. That's not young. Yeah. Like you're 38 and you don't look young at all. You look like Jack Palance in City Slickers 2, Curly's mm. Gold. Whoa, that's very specific. I fuck, maybe it was like, oh my God, 33? No, no, 35. Yeah. yeah. Do math better. I, hey, I did it. 33, 38, okay. 38 years old. Yeah, that's not young. That's not Come young. On. I'm not. Hey, I'm 35 right now. I'm not young. Yeah, I know. You look and like I, I look Jack young. Palance hey, in I, uh, City Slickers 2, Curly's Gold. Hey, I look young. And at 35, I'm not young. And this guy looks like a mm. like fucking rough. <laughs> it's all that clean living you do over there. Yeah, yeah, Your teetotaling lifestyle. Yeah. But I mean, you do put down a lot of tater tots. Damn right. Yeah, so I don't know. Maybe your colon's in bad shape, but only time will tell <laughs> on that on one. on the inside. So yeah, and then tell me more to, about contempt. So contempt. <laughs> so we we go to the set. It's beautiful, mm-hmm. overlooking that ocean. Um, again, amazing cinematography. The colors, RJ. Those the use of primary colors in the the apartments and all the sets. What are the primary colors? <laughs> Blue, red, green, and red. Uh, green. Is green not a primary color? No, RJ. That's a Blue, secondary red, and green? color. Yeah. What? No. Red, blue, yellow. Red, blue, yellow. What are the primary colors? Holy Christ. You didn't go to art school. I didn't go to any school. Yeah. Well, the school of hard knocks, just like all the smartest people you'll see Mm, on Facebook. I ain't book smart, but I'm street smart. Yeah. You ever heard that one, Jared? Yeah. Yeah, this movie just kind of shambles to a conclusion. Mm -hmm. Um, Sweet car, Jack Palance drives. I'm sure if I was into cars, I'd be like, Whoa. a little jalopy. Yeah, it's pretty nice. And then he's dead, weekend style, dead bodies, blood and gore, Godard style. Maybe, maybe like, I should watch Weekend instead. Um, is Weekend in the collection? It is. 
Do they have an animal cru- cruelty-free version like Cannibal Holocaust does? No. Well, I'm not watching it then. I've heard of that pig scene. <laughs> I think you told me that. Yeah. I'm not going to watch that. Anyways, RJ. Um, yeah. Those are my thoughts on Contempt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what did you think of this film? Well, dear, I might say something that might shock you. Shock yeah. you. I thought Contempt was okay. No. I think people would probably expect me to really hate this thing. Uh, I mean, I didn't mind it. Uh, there were a few things that I thought they did really well. There are definitely, like, all of your negatives and your criticisms, I feel for sure. There are so many long, lingering scenes where you're just like, oh, man. Chest hair, am I right? Oh, fuck. You know what? Even more than chest hair is the back of the neck hair. When that dude's walking around shirtless for like 20 minutes and that that little puff of uh, hair on the back of his neck is always just flapping, just flapping. Um, So maybe this is because it was my first watch and not my third. I think if I had to watch this two more times, I would be really resentful of it and just be like, fuck this movie. I hate it. Uh, I don't even hate it. I just like. No, I know. I never want to watch it again. I'm saying I would be like that. Because I would just watch good Godard movies instead. I watched it once and I would never watch it again. Yeah. I can see why it's so, uh, I feel like I say this all the fucking time where it's like, I see why other people like it. And I don't mean to like sound like an asshole. Like I know something other people don't. It's just, I know something other people don't. If you follow what I mean, Jared, no, just in the sense that like, I think it has all the tenets of what film people are looking for. But, for me, I was film like, I don't people, film, fine artisan film Scho- people, scholars, yeah, critics, it's, academics. it's like, yeah, it's got all those, it's got all the touches oh. of, uh, well, that's like, I mean, that's the thing that Godard's like totally engaged in though, as well. Like, he is, yeah, engaged He's with, like, his, his, fil- his films are essays, yeah. Well, it's like Fritz Lang playing himself, yep, check, uh, Sh- Shades of Full Metal Alchemist, the movie, ooh, check. I don't know what that means. I only read half of that manga. You can't read. I can't read. I looked at the pictures, though. <laughs> um, so you got famous director playing himself. Check. You have pretentious art house movie that he, Godard, I think, was trying, would have liked to make instead of this. Well, this movie Check. was expensive to make, too, because, uh, I mean, Bar- oh, I believe Bardot don't come cheap. And they shot on those, either. like, ridiculously expensive camera stock. Man. Hmm. So you have that, double check. You have a, f- a movie about movies, triple check. That's like a criterion, uh, like instant hit. And even like yeah, film dudes that, do, see, it's like that's movies actually, about movies. So that's the one of those things that like would have drawn me to this movie right at the b- b- bat was like, it's a movie about a movie? Sign me up. And then you get contempt. <laughs> You're like, style. it's about people arguing in an apartment <laughs> it's like yeah. i've been swerved uh, but i kind of have that same um I, I it's i've only seen the movie once and that mm-hmm. and we will watch it one day again uh day for night by Truffaut, which was his contempt his movie about movies mm. kind of and uh were you watching any Truffaut yet yeah which one your favorite movie 400 blows rj Mm. Wasn't that done by John Luke Godard starring George Clinton? Yeah, in RJ World. Hey, that don't even lie. That would be a better movie. Go on. Go on. So anyways, 
it's like I was saying, I think this checks all the boxes, even like the recurring cyclical score that happens, which I actually don't mind. I actually like the, the casino I, I, music. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I'm kind of into this. I thought I think you see, I thought you would have hated that. Yeah. Because <laughs> you're well, uh, the, well, you seem particularly taken out of movies by music more than I, most. Things. I usually am. But this was a. This little this little jingle, Jarrett, I actually kind of liked. So that was the only reason mm. I think I, I I didn't mind it coming up every five seconds. Yeah. So that was fine. Uh, but then like the colors and all that stuff. So my point in all of that was that I think this checks a lot of the criterion boxes. And then that checks a lot of fine film craft artisan boxes. So you have those things. So I see why this is a very popular movie for all those dudes. And do that. What do you say of though, RJ? Like uh, sight and sound critic Colin McCabe, contempt was the greatest work of art produced in post-war Europe. Has that guy seen butt crack? I uh, um, hard to say. So then he he's he's then his opinion doesn't really matter, does it? Because he is uninformed and he's ignorant. <laughs> he's ignorant, Jarrett. <laughs> So anyways, like I think I think contempt like hits a lot of people's sweet spots. So I get it. Uh, I thought it was okay. I'm with you. I never want to watch this again. So I don't know. Like, I don't know where I fit. I think I fall like right in the middle where like and I feel like I've been doing that too much lately where it's like, I don't care. It's not that I don't care about stuff, but a lot of these movies are spit. Some of these ones we've been watching lately, I think, are very like I don't care kind of movies, where it's like, who gives a shit about this fucking thing? So there's a, <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of those, like, but it's okay. Like there are, there are things that I do like. I liked Jack Palance in every scene that he was in. I thought he yeah. was pretty wicked. Yeah, he really he uh, really brought it, didn't he? I I I like him. I mean, I, I look at you every week and I just see a young or an old Jack Palance. Right. So it's like. It kind of felt like home, you know, so he was wicked and all that. Uh, I didn't mind the score. I thought that was nice. And I I liked elements of what they were trying to do and all those things that I was just talking about, like films about films and and the Fritz Lang stuff, this and that. Speaking of Fritz Lang, by the way, how hard do you think it would be to hold a monocle in place? Yeah, I walking around. It doesn't seem like a good time to me doesn't seem super practical. Like it'd be like that, that would require a lot of like squinting. Yeah. It's like, just have glasses. You'd be doing some real damage. You'd be getting a lot of wrinkles, I think out of that deal. Plus he didn't even have like a chain on that thing. Like he was just free balling it that whole time. That's how you do monocle. Well, you know, some monocles have like a little chain that like almost like a pocket watch that they can like dangle off of their uh, button. So he didn't even have one of those. I was like, Oh fuck Fritz Lang. This dude's wild. This dude's wild as hell. So, what was I talking about? Yeah, I like that stuff. Um, I liked Jack Palance's really tiny book that he would uh, spout wisdom out of. So tiny. So tiny. Uh, And then I actually did like certain elements of the apartment uh, discourse or whatever. I don't know fucking domestic dispute whatever that thing is i did like elements of that because i think some of that stuff is like a little bit relatable where it's like Mm. what's wrong nothing (sighs) like that stuff i I like that but it does go on for fucking ever and that's i think that's what really holds this movie back is those certain scenes where even 
if like even the scene where it's just Bridget Bardot's butt mm-hmm. for like ten minutes, even that scene's pretty. Like you, you want it to be over because you're like, I don't need her listing every single fucking part of her body. What about my hangnails? Do you love my hangnails? Oh, baby, I love your hangnails. <laughs> like you know, like it's it's kind of ridiculous in how long it goes on. So like that's kind of annoying. Is is it attempting to? demystify her desexualize her by like spending so much time showing her that you're just like indifferent was that was is that one of Godard's jo- uh missions I mean that's not what I took out of it but yeah. sure sure uh, <laughs> see I just pulled that out of my ass I sure. just, but, but doesn't it sound like oh maybe it's like oh. Shut, no oh are not. you talking about like how tight that apartment is and how that's reflective <laughs> of their uh, representative of their their emotional baggage yeah, well, there's that, and then actually one thing I one thing I also didn't like, Jarrett, was the uh, the recap scenes where it was like their inner monologue, but it was like showing it was like them narrating what they were thinking. They're like, and I was like, why did she do that? And then it kind of like replays the scenes that just happened. I was like, I don't really like that, but again, I feel like other people would. And then the music starts again. That's what the music sounds like. So there's that. Uh, I don't really like the ending. Mm. because I was kind of like for a set, like it starts out and Jack Palance's car like really hops before it like turns into the interstate. And I thought in my head, I was like, is he going to crash that car? Of course he is. And then they did. And I was like, Oh, okay. Like, I was like, all right. Like it, that seems like, I think if someone were to do that now, people would kind of like make fun of it because yeah. of how hard they were trying to like, like go out on an edge. You know, you know, Jared, mm-hmm. going out on an edge. So, like, yeah, I don't, I don't like the ending very much. Uh, what else? What else kind of shit do you want me to throw at this thing? Oh, okay. Since you brought it up, and this isn't like, I think it's applicable for a few reasons. So you mentioned that this is no longer available through Criterion, mm-hmm. but it's a studio canal. Yep. There have been a few Criterion movies that are no longer of it or in print through criterion that are studio canals. And we've watched a couple studio canals opening is the most obnoxious fucking thing. <laughs> that music, that music where it's like, it's a pole whistle. It's like, Ooh, and then it's like birds. Like a, it's like, ha, ha. Yeah. And it's, it's like the goofiest fucking like it's in your face, obnoxious. And every time I hear it, I'm always like, that can't be fucking real. That there's no company on the world that was like, oh yeah, that's really I, lo- I love that sound. That's a good. That's good for a brand. <laughs> Fat beats. Fat beats, man. So yeah, Studio Canal's opening is all sorts of horrible, and uh, I feel like when I watch that now, I associate it with like bad movies almost, and it's like, mm. <laughs> but anyways, I thought Contempt was fine. Like it, I don't know, Contempt. Fucking Lubitsch touch that other movie we watched a week or before. I don't care. Am I not the best co-host? What do you think of this movie? I don't give a well, shit. We, we had to contend with the Monterey pop festival as well. Oh yeah. But I was okay for, with that. You were the one you were the, the not giving a shit on that one. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So anyways, contempt is like a movie. Yep. That we both watched. It sure was. It's just like, I don't know, Godard, you know, man. 
He's done some good ones. This is just one of those. It's in between there. Has he done some good ones? I think so. Like what? Uh, was it La Ciba Bien? The one of, uh, I think is what it's pronounced. Who did uh, Jules and Jim? <laughs> Not Goddard. Was George Clinton in that one? Yeah, I think so. Nice. I think so, buddy. I in my see, but in my mind, those are better movies. The ones that we'll, I make up. We'll get our chance to see some more Goddard here in like a month. Will we? We will. Oh yeah, there is one coming up soon, isn't there? Band apart. Is that a good movie? Uh, I think it's better than Contempt. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Good. Anyways. Anyways. Vivre Savi is, I think, the best. But Vivre what now? Vivre Savi. Okay. Anyway, hey RJ, who yes. hates Contempt? Uh, probably some people that are really annoyed by it, man. All right. Well, let's find out. Half a star from Daniel. Mm-hmm. I really wish I liked Godard because I'm a movie-loving, artsy, pretentious dipshit, but he just makes boring trash that doesn't resonate with me. Every movie is just someone standing around with a cigarette, rolling their eyes at someone else reading statistics from a newspaper. If I want boring French shit that's at least watchable and nifty, I'll get down with Truffaut. If I want good French shit, Melville all the way. Melville who? Jean-Pierre Melville, director of Bob Le Flambeau. Bob Le Flambe? Yeah. I like Bob Le Flambe. <laughs> okay, so, <laughs> hey, hey, Jared, Daniel's pretty fucking edgy, man. Oh, yeah. His bio, I'm an insane person who sometimes just writes whatever instead of a review because I got bored of the movie. I watch a lot of trash horror films as well as a bunch of artsy bullshit that I'm probably fucked to the gills on drugs getting really into. (laughs) Yakuza flicks and old Eastern Euro pictures show up from time to time. And sometimes I review just whatever's on. What kind of t-shirt do you think he wears? A black t-shirt, apparently, if his picture uh, (laughs) is uh, anything. So... This guy's talking about all these like crazy movies he likes, but I just w- want to point out that he gave five stars to Iron Man 3. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. Whatever. I don't need to read no, anymore. That's, that's good enough. Yep. Half a star from Steven. Second worst movie of the year next to La Ventura. <laughs> hey, hey, someone we can relate to. I hated it. I hate Godard. There isn't a movie here. The statements are so boring and poorly executed, and it's not even a beautiful movie to look at, as people tend to say. I also read something Martin Scorsese wrote about it, and he described the argument as being so authentic. The guy literally tried to pimp out his wife, and then for 20 minutes straight was just like, you're mad? What? What? What did I do? What? 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 Horrible, and made even more horrible because of how much praise this gets. Nice. Nice. So a lot of Dan's and Steve's, eh? Yeah. There's another one too. Okay. So Steve doesn't have um, an edgy bio or anything, but I think Steve is a guy that we could get along with. Five-star movies include like Brief Encounter, Lawrence of the Arabia, or Debt, which isn't really a five-star movie, but I mean, it's there. But he gave half stars to like The Dark Knight Rises, Point Break, that Catherine Bigelow jam that we were talking about in the preamble, Mahal and Drive a half a star, 
Hmm. Doesn't seem fair. And then uh, Criterion um, Nobility. Nob- nobility? Royalty. Nobility? Nobility. Either nobility. One. Royalty. Armageddon. <laughs> so whatever. Yeah, that's too bad. Mm. Yeah. Uh, finally, Daniel Jensen? Jensen? Or Some, what does that say? Imran? Imran? Yeah, there we go. Okay. So sometimes I copy and paste these things, and the font is so tiny. It's like... Yes, just just don't. Half a star. Yeah. I think Hell is a never-ending Godard film, and in a sense, I think each one of his movies gives you a window into that world by never fucking ending. Good. Contempt is another horrible Godard film in which two non-characters espouse unmotivated nonsense at each other in three Mm -hmm. equally boring scenes. I don't know why people put up with this. You know what people don't put up with? Your shit, Daniel Imran. His bio says, I exist only to watch movies and be wrong about them. How do you like that, Jared? His uh, his high stars and low stars aren't really anything to talk about, but he just gave Passion of the Christ two stars, which I think is unfair, and he just gave Into the Spider-Verse two stars, Jarrett. Come on. Two stars. So uh, you don't get much uh, much worse takes than that. Mm-hmm. 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 Well, there you go. That's it. <laughs> That's it, man. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, something I can hopefully put behind me. What, uh, Contempt? Yep. Uh, well, maybe when, you, when you reboot the Criterion Creeps yep. and you start this over with a new co-host right from uh, Spine 1, mm-hmm. you will have to watch this again eventually. Hmm. That might be motivation to just not do it again. Maybe, the, yeah. maybe your job's safe. Maybe your next co-host will be better. And better than ever. I, I would have said something else, but sure. 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 All right, RJ. Yes. I think that's it. Is it? I think so. Good. After the break, mm-hmm. RJ leaves me for Jack Palance. Fuck, I wish. I'm sick of you. I want Jack Palance in my life. But I'll like walk, you know, longly up the stairs, smoking my cigarettes, looking like a bag of shit, being described as a young writer, looking longingly at the ocean. Isn't that all we want in life? No one's ever described you as young. De tout cœur, je veux gagner ce cœur à cœur. Vous connaissez mon jeu par cœur, alors défendez-vous. Sans tricher, je vous le promets. J'ai gagné, tant pis c'est bien fait, vous êtes de mon jouet à présent. Hey RJ, what yes. would Lloyd Kaufman's The Odyssey look like? It would be... It would be a few people that identify as trans, and then it would be one guy, a, a really fat guy, that Joe Fleshacre guy. Who's dead. And He's dead, but they'd bring him back for this one. And uh, he would be sitting in a chair eating hot dogs, looking and, at him. And mayonnaise. And mayonnaise. And uh, I think that's all it would be. And a monster car. Did he have one? Uh, he does now. Really? 
You can email us at criterioncreeps at gmail.com and tell us to stop talking about Blake Kaufman and trauma. Good call. We've got a Facebook page. We're on Instagram. We're on Letterboxd. I'm Jared Duncan. He's Barn Rope. We've mm-hmm. got a Patreon. We've got a YouTube. We're on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, all that good stuff. Tumblr? And ever-present, never-will-die Tumblr. Where's our Where's our uh, Vine? Where's our Vine channel? Vine was taken down, dude. <laughs> no. Fucking get with it, you old man. Next week. Uh-huh. RJ? Yes? It's our 150th episode next week. Really? Are we going to finish the pod? I think that, yeah, put a bullet in it. And us. Uh, <laughs> some might say that's a big deal. And I think we're overdue for one of those Laserdisc episodes and people seem to be all what? hot and bothered about. And according to my calculations, next up is Blade Runner. No, dude, the next Laserdisc is City Slickers 2, Curly's Gold. Ah, uh, nuts. You're wrong. Shit. Well. Oh, well. Blade Runner it is. Oh, we're not going to watch City Slickers? Next week, Ridley Scott's Blade Runner from 1982. And what else? Um, White Squall. Ooh. <laughs> you, ha- you have to watch that now. No, I don't. You mentioned it. No, I don't want... G.I. Jane? Get some Demi Moore up in here? Yeah, she shaves her head. Yeah, man. I think, I, th- I think there's some like threat of rape in that movie, too, or something. You would know. I remember my parents renting that movie. It was weird. Did you watch it with them? I think I saw and some they, of it. And then I think it maybe got rapey, and they're like, uh, I think you have to leave the room now, Jarrett. Probably whenever that male gaze came on, and they're like, Jarrett, get out of here. Yeah. You know what I mean? No. Jarrett, get out of here. Anyway, we're getting shirtless like Wrecker Hauer and putting on some wigs. Cool. Get your trench coat. Get your unicorn piece of shit origami we're we're replicants what does that mean i've never seen blade runner i don't even know what that is is that good it sucks oh good 